Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Harry Enfield acting like a teenager. Oh, it's so unfair. Classic. My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, what is it? The original and best 1990s football podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, as always, for another slice of 90s football goodness and it's a big old slice today so I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet. Um, All I've got to say is that, uh, tell you about the episode first of all, it is a special Champions League episode that we've been getting back into the Champions League in 2018 this week. Some mixed results for English sides but we're going to look back on the best moments. It's a top 10, it's not necessarily an order but we've picked a 10 including one very hipster choice uh, of the best Champions League moments of the decade so um, hope you enjoy them they obviously do involve a lot of Manchester United but we've got one of our regulars to take us through that one as Joel Young and Matthew Chris the Man United fan join us to live through the the best of the Champions League moments from the um, from the 90s uh, we tried not to do too many finals um, just because we may do a final episode at some point um, but no we've just chosen what we think are the most memorable moments from the competition from that decade, um, which I did also put out to you guys on Twitter, and I just quickly wanted to go through them because I'm always appreciating anyone who gets involved. Danny Rosamond at Danny Rosamond says, my favourite thing was it being on terrestrial TV and Sky Sports. I don't think it was on Sky Sports, but it was on terrestrial TV. But of course, it's on BT Sport now, not even a highlight show. Pete at Greeno Baggio, great name there, Pete. As Sheringham and Solskjaer versus Bayern, York and Cole versus Barca, Keane's goal against Juve, and Henningberg's goal line clearance against Inter. I take it you're a Man United fan, uh, Pete. Uh, I must mention, we don't go into 99 as much as you might expect because we have talked about it on this show quite a lot. Go back in the archive. And have a look. Good old Daniel Parry at Daniel Parry at 153 says, being able to watch the live games without paying springs Brian Moore to mind as well. Of course, Brian Moore, very much of that early Champions League coverage. Novak 84 says, the last Champions League final of the 90s was the best. I think he's another Man United fan. Uh, Chris at this is Chris PY or Chris B going by the two goals they showed on ITV. They must have thought of Rangers and Gothenburg final that year was a dead cert. This is by the tweet that I put out that does show them in the advert, but I think they were clashing that night. Tureus Boy at Ed, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, underscore Teshkemana, uh, says AC Milan class of 1994. Yep, we sort of we gloss over those on the show today. Phil Wayne Lee says that Dwight York step over Tino against Barcelona. Lasso and Batty fighting. Yes, they are very much covered in today's show. And then finally, Michael at R4H4AL says Man United beating Munich. Yeah, that's very much the, the front runner. But as I said, we, we do talk about it. But um, today's show is very long, but in all the best possible ways, but does go off on some tangents that I didn't expect that it was going to go on when we started. So hopefully you enjoy the, the crazy ride that me, Joel and Matthew go on that's centred around the Champions League, but goes go off and all kinds of fun 90s directions on today's show. Uh, we also have a brilliant, brilliant guest, which I must mention before we get into the uh, the meat of the show. We I was lucky enough to speak to uh, former Ajax, Inter Milan, Arsenal, and of course Nigeria legend, the Vanku Kanu, for today's show. Um, it's all to do with a charity game that he's doing uh, in Sunday week, Sunday the 30th of September at the Hive. 
in uh, at Barnet. It's a Premier League legends versus a Niger- African football legends um, against each other. It's to do with it's called the Canoe Cup, and it's raising money for the Canoe Heart Foundation. It's a great cause. It should be a great day down at the Hive. Some big names playing. Um, I've heard that Danny Shittu's uh, wants to smash Sol Campbell on another podcast, so that should be one to look out for. But uh, JJ Kocher's playing. There's uh, big names that, that that are going to attend. Um, you'll hear all about it from Canoe himself in the interview today. But if you want tickets, go to Masters Football, um, which is where the, where you could get your tickets for that event, which is on the Sunday 30th of September. Uh, that's mastersfootball.com at The Hive in Barnet. So check that out. Check out the interview. And the only thing I wanted to say before we get onto the show is um, if you're a fan of the show, and I noticed there was a couple of new uh, ratings and reviews recently, so thank you very much for that. Do go on iTunes and rate and review our podcast. Share and subscribe. All that gumph. And if you're on the social, we are at AK90s on Twitter uh, and on Instagram, where I've been doing some cool little Instagram stories where uh, this week I've done the all the winners of the Champions League, all the winners of the UEFA Cup. Um, they seem to have gone down quite well on an Instagram story, so check that out, at AK90s pod. But as I said, I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet, and let's get into the real meat of today's podcast, talking Champions League, the champions! Of the 90s with Joe Young, Matthew Christ, and a brilliant interview with Novanku Kanu, winner of the competition in 1995 with that great IX team. So enjoy the show and as always, keep it 90s. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Welcome back to Alive and Kicking, the original 90s football podcast. And as it's Champions League week, as I said in my intro, we're talking Champions League moments of the 1990s. Uh, We've touched on a few of these before. You can imagine we're going to be talking 99 and we have done that to death, but we will only briefly go over that. But yeah, there's some others here we haven't really talked about. And because it's Champions League week, we thought we'd get stuck in. Plus, we've got a very Champions League themed interview coming up for you in just a bit. But first, let me introduce my merry men who are very merry like myself this week. Um, fresh from a 2-0 win over Bolton He is a social media mogul for 11 sports And he's a Borough fan, he's a happy man Second in the league in 2018 Joe, how are you feeling? Yeah, it was good um, lots of things. It's really weird because you know we've got a lot of people Sort of mourning about uh, Tony Pulis And this brand of football that we allegedly play But I think that's people who just don't watch the games um, Last night was good We were just attacking all, all night really um, I thought that... Uh, you know, we just didn't have to kill a ball a lot of the time, but we managed to win 2-0. And, uh, yeah, happy days, second in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think it's going to be us and Leeds right at the end. And I said that right at the start. So, yeah, everything in the uh, garden is rosy. Mm, it might not be, because, hello, who are the informed team in the championship? Shock, horror, Steve McLaren, football genius. I'm fresh Well, I told you, I said before <laughs> we came on, Ash, before we came on, I said he lost his first four games at Middlesbrough Football Club when he was in charge there. And 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 his last game was a European final with wow. Borough. So if you get anywhere near that, I think you'll be a happy it's man. It's already written in stars. We haven't beaten, beaten Millwall for a long time. And I've got family ties to that. People of the show will know. And it was quite fun beating them last night. Um, quite fun for an hour, other the regular as well. They had a stonking win in Europe, which 
wasn't always could be said for the other half of Manchester, but Man United beat the young boys this week. And, and, he, and he's our guest, as, as always. He's a writer and journalist for many plethora of, of calling sportsmen who he's been working with tonight while he's stuffing his face with a barbecue pizza and pear cider. How you doing, Matthew Christ? I'm very, very merry, thank you. Uh, maybe that is something to do with the four cans of pear cider I've had. <laughs> That well, I've been slaving good, away. Good pizza. Oh yeah, Tesco's finest. One pound fifty. Yeah, you can't can't beat it on a Thursday night. A thirsty thirsty Thursday. Uh, thirsty Thursday, mate. That's where it's at. Yeah, the uh, Thursday night podcast of the uh, Monday night football of uh, of the two thousand and eighteens. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a pizza connoisseur because this is quite a sad window into my life. But Saturday night is always pizza night in our house, so we always try different. So we'll have to try Tesco's. It's usually a we usually go to different supermarkets where we. Well, get. you know, you know, you could do a lot worse than uh-huh. Audi. And Audi do and, do some good ones, some yeah. uh, proper ones, but massive ones as well. Yeah, well, it says a lot about my lifestyle. But <laughs> Audi, Audi in Iceland do uh, do run Tesco very close. Oh, there you go. I had pizza and I was so lazy. Even though I had one in the freezer, I found one out. <laughs> Oh, well, it always tastes on. better when it's thrown out, doesn't it? That's a real. What I wanted, though, I wanted a big ve- vegetarian, spicy blow my head exactly. off. Rather than that, that's a real it. London thing to do, that isn't it? You'd get shot for that if you went home. I'm Jill. flash now. I'm flash yeah. now. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. See, I don't even have that luxury. We don't have pizza in Middlesbrough. What are you talking? Yeah. About? <laughs> Where I've moved everybody to, gets is... on, everybody gets brought up on Parmesan there. <laughs> Where I've moved to, they don't. There is nowhere that delivers pizzas. There's no dominoes around. You probably, want to do. You, you probably make your out, own around there. If anybody's out there and, and they're listening and they've got a load of money, I've got. I've just got the way to make more money, and that's open a Parmo restaurant in London, and you'll just absolutely coin it in week yeah. on week on week on week. And call it street food, yeah, because I mean everything. Well, that's now what street people food, are doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think in my Sunday brunch days, it turned up on there. Yeah. So yeah, I think we. I think remember we did it once, but also one of the producers is from Middlesbrough as well. So. I always had an idea that there should be like a takeaway and sort of high end that does roast dinners seven days a week, and you could call. We it... used to do. There used to be one that delivered them in oh, Borough. Even better. Yeah. And, and I'd call it Sundays because obviously that's the traditional day that you would have roast dinner. But Sunday, every day is Sundays. That is my. That's my oh. Dragon's Den. Sound a bit like Morrissey though. Yeah, yeah, that's a great Morrissey uh, link there. Oh, yeah. Well, we, apparently keep you off, fan. There you go. No, he's friends with Kevin Gallagher. He's got to be like Not, United. No, he was United growing up, big a, time, because oh, he grew oh, up in uh, Stretford. Oh, old Trafford. There is a picture of him sitting at his mixing desk with a QPR shirt with ten Gallon. Yeah, but he, but he, yeah, he was friends with Gallon. Yeah, was um, friends. <laughs> yeah, well, like he was friends with a lot of people, but no, he then, yeah, it got to the sort of late nineties, and he started flirting with lots of different teams, West Ham, and he just Morrissey's very what a surprise. Yeah, West Ham. Well, he, <laughs> As you know, Morrissey's a very contrary person, and uh, oh. whenever he, he gets known for liking something, he automatically likes the complete opposite. So, uh, hence why he's uh, supported about 10 different teams in his lifetime, as far as I know. As we all know, the greatest 80s pop star to support QPR... One half is, of Wham! Yeah, Andrew Ridgely, yeah, yeah who wears, uh, wears that Guinness shirt he in does, the... Uh, yeah. Guinness shirt in the video for Freedom by Wham! Where they go to China. Never so come out go. and actually admitted it, though, that he's a QPR fan. He's always... Even though he wears, even though I, I, he thought gonna, I thought you were talking about George Michael for a <laughs> <laughs> Or George Michaels, as uh, George Michaels, yeah, yeah that's he, his name. Thank you. As he yeah. always calls him on Twitter. Um, but Do you know where that's from? No, I don't. I was actually going to ask okay, you that. because loads of people ask me where, why I say that. People, I think people come over and correct me and say, no, it's George Michael. <laughs> and it's not. It's from, it's from 
Rock Profile, right? You ever oh, seen Rock course. Profile? We're going back to the nineties. Loved Rock Profile. They, they do they do two George Michael ones. They do one where he's in Wham, and it's uh, and um, David Williams is George Michael. Yes. In, no, David Williams is is Andrew Ridgely in that yes. one, and Matt Lucas is. And then they do the second one where it's George Michael, and he's suddenly all like in his older phase, and. Uh, Matt Lucas is Jerry Hallowell and comes and bothers oh, him. And she he's says, like best friends, yes. <laughs> yeah, she keeps going, I love George Michaels, he's yes. my best friend. When I was a little girl, I said I wanted to be friends with George Michaels. And now I'm friends with George Michaels. So that's a, where it's from. There's a line throughout that sketch where she just goes, Africa. And for years, I've said that. I think it's in the, they do a charity record. I don't know if you ever saw that one. And it's got yeah. everyone in it. And there's a line that the Jerry Harrell character, they, they say, well, what, what would you like to do for charity? And she just goes, Africa. And it used to just, yeah, make me giggle a lot. Rug profile. Very, very funny. We, yeah. I interviewed Jamie Thinkston once. And he said, he thinks the funniest thing that ever happened to him was, have you seen the Bee Gees one? Yes. Where, the, where he's dressed as a wolf. Yeah. <laughs> And he doesn't let the other two talk. Yeah, he won't let the other two talk. He keeps clapping his hands and ringing yeah. his bells, and and, uh, and, they, and they just tell the same stories over and over and over. I have again. a DVD of it somewhere in the lot. I've got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rock- it, it, the, the Bee Gees one is online, and it's yeah. very funny. Check it out, kids. Rock profile. It keep it two thousands. Anyway, that's go back that was ten like years. That. Was it? Oh, we can keep it in. Yeah, we're, we're getting it in. We're getting it, it in. Be on BBC Choice. Yeah, and then it went BBC Three, didn't it? Went it later on, but yeah, okay. yeah. Rock profile. Loved it. Anyway, well, we'll go. We'll keep it nineties anyway, as we can. Let's talk Champions League. We've kind well, I say we've. I'll admit I've put these together and and told them this is what they've got to talk about. But this is we kind of thing. There's probably one or other. Hit us up on Twitter and moan the ones we haven't mentioned. These are kind of the most memorable, best, whatever you want to call it, moments um, in Champions League of the decade. Not just Champions League. Obviously, it was called the European Cup up until 1992. Fully aware of that. Um, we tried not to do every final as well because we could just go through the finals, but maybe we'll do that um, at a later date, maybe next May around the Champions League final. Um, but we've just picked out the the best kind of standout moments from uh, the Champions League. Um, but before we get there, and because I promised this on the last show when we did this week in the 90s and we haven't really done one this week, uh, we're kind of including it in here. Just a quick, quick, quick brief mention to Ronnie Rosenthal. Happy Ronnie Rosenthal Day yesterday. Probably the worst miss of all time. Our tweet went very well. Guys, you must remember this. Joel, the worst miss of all time? Oh, it's it's up there, isn't it? Yeah, it's very good. I remember, was there a Carnu one as well, where Carnu kicked it over West the bar from about like, that, three yards? Yeah. Uh, yeah they would be the two that stand out for yeah. me. Matthew, can you think of anything worse? Off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, what, what's unfortunate for Ronnie Rosenthal is he had a fantastic scoring record when he first burst onto the scene, particularly for Liverpool when he, when he first started. He, he was he was prolific, but he just seems to be always remembered for this this uh, this miss against uh, Villa at Villa Park. I think it, it seemed to be made worse by the fact it crashed against the crossbar yeah. and, and bounced down. I think if it had flown over the bar or gone wide, it probably wouldn't have been so dramatic. But the fact it... It hit the bar. It, it, a bit like when a goal goes in, it hits the bar and goes in. It's yeah. so dramatic. In a way, this mist was made even more sensational by the fact that it hit the crossbar. So, um, you know, we, we give, him, give him that at least. Yeah. Maybe it was like the early, early version of the crossbar challenge. <laughs> yeah. The only one I can come close, Steve Stone missed one. Uh, I think it was against Reading later on in the decade. Um, I'll try and dig it out at some point, put it on Twitter. That's really bad. But yeah, always remember that Ronnie Rosenthal one. Although I must say, it's both teams there were in two, one of the most gorgeous kits of the 90s, the green Liverpool one and the Villa one with the laces, two of my favourite kits. But yeah, happy Ronnie Rosenthal day to everyone yesterday. Uh, but let's talk Champions League. Um, and hold on, hold on. Go on. Before we start, Alexa, play. 
Go on with it. Go, go, keep going. All right, Alexa, stop. <laughs> Very nice. Alexa, well done. stop. Oh, God, I'm missing Alexa. I thought I was talking to you were talking about Alexa Bliss for a second, then I thought I was getting very confused. But... No, I was talking to Alexa, my uh, my lover, who <laughs> lives, in, lives inside a little it. speaker in my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is obviously the beautiful Champions League music, which they first used in 1992. I put an intro, a weird intro, actually, on because I put the question out to Twitter, which I mentioned in my intro. But I put out the, what, what are your favourite memories? And I put this video of the ITV um, titles from that, for 92, I think it is. And the only teams they show in it are Rangers and Gothenburg. So I don't know what final they were predicting that season. Very odd. Was it, were, were it, did Rangers not play Gothenburg? That, it must be. Yeah. It must be. That must be the only reason. I don't know what, because it's literally just the titles. I don't know what it follows on to. But yeah, very odd. Um, let's talk moments then. Um, they're in, there are 10. Whether or not they're in an order, I'll let you guys decide in terms of the listeners. But um, the first one I'm going to talk about is a little bit niche. I suppose it's the hipster um pick here um i only really my connection to it, i remembered it vaguely because my i have relatives who support this team quite way back i've only ever met them a couple of times but one of i the don't times, remember Millwall being in the champions no, no, this, is, this is my actual something family not my oh, married oh, into oh, family oh, apologies all right blood you mean this is well yeah blood although it's quite it's quite uh there's a few it's like great granddad or great uncle i've only met them twice but they are german they are from brenham they support Werder brenham and one of the times i've met them was during the time that this game happened i remember them talking about it and now i've gone back it's all flooded um, um, back to in my memory and it's from December the 8th as Celine Dion once told us it's all coming back to you now exactly yeah not her best mm. song but yeah because you loved me is obviously <laughs> what, it, really it, it, yeah I don't know about anything Celine Dion to be honest well I'm, I'm not saying I like it but if I had to pick a gun to my head that would be the one I'd I mean, wasn't, that, tonight, wasn't that the one wasn't that the one where the video was a bit meatloaf? She was um, on a motorbike yeah, and yeah, somebody, yeah. someone who got killed and on a motorbike and he kissed me motorbike. like that yeah, yeah. amazing yeah. Get Alexa to play that. Hold on. <laughs> Alexa, play Celine Dion, All Coming Back to Me Now. It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Radio Edit 1 by Celine Amazing. Dion on Amazon Music. <laughs> Here we go. This is 90s as well, isn't it? It yeah, really that, is 90s. Yeah. I can see a new request slot coming up. Yeah. Oh, go on, Celine. Wail that out. Wail <laughs> that out. Anything's better than think twice. All right, Alexa, stop. Yeah, stop, Alexa. Celine, stop. Celine Dion, who um, represented Switzerland in the 1988 Eurovision Song Contest. Alexa, oh, stop. There you go. Uh, Keeping it uh, 80s. I can't think. Of, I'm trying to think of a tenuous footballing. Didn't she do a theme? No, I don't think she did a theme song for any football tournament. Anyway, where was I? Verda Brenham five and Alexa three yeah. from December the eighth, 1993. We picked this because. It's the best Champions League comeback of the decade. So let's set the story, set the scene. And let the 3-0 up with 25 minutes to go. And then Werder Bremen scored five goals uh, from the 66th minute to absolutely wipe away this game. Um, very scrappy on a very muddy pitch as well. Um, I just remember my... I think it was my great uncle. I can't even remember how related waxing lyrical about this game. Um, the, the name Winton Ruffer, who was a New Zealander who scored two goals in this game, instantly took me back to to him saying it in a really strange accent that he had in my eyes at the time. Um, guys, I you were the racist on the sly, Ash. Is that what this is? 
I just didn't, as a as a ten year old, I just didn't quite understand his German accent. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's what I remember going back. And to me, it was you know, I was I hadn't been, I wasn't as worldly as I clearly am now. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> living in the depths of Kent. But um, you've, I, I imagine, guys, you've more gone back and and watched this little window into early nineties Champions League football. Matthew, coming to you first. Any thoughts on this great comeback? Well, what I'll say to you first of all is <clears throat> greatest Champions League comeback of the nineties. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you, you forgetting... Like uh, the one with the most goals. Yeah. All right, I'll give you that. But come on. Yeah, we'll talk about that for, later, though. First of all, first of all, it was a dead rubber, wasn't it? Was it not? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did watch this earlier in between working, slaving away over a hot typewriter as I was. And um, right, yeah. coming back from Vauxhall Motors Football Club. You, you remember them, don't you, Ash? Yeah, we remember them vividly, um, yeah. Um, Keeping it 90s, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, the first thing that did strike me was the muddy pitch, and yeah, I've actually written. I've muddy. actually, I actually had five minutes to spare, and I've written down some notes here. And I've got muddy pitch written in the notes. Um, it's obviously the old format, or the first sort of new format of the Champions League, where you had a preliminary round, a couple of rounds, and then whoever was left over went into a group stage, and then whoever won those or finished in the top two of those groups went into a semi-final and. And then got to the final, obviously. So um, this was, funnily enough, both these teams didn't qualify um, from their group. So whether that had any bearing on whether why it was sort of as dramatic as it was, I'm, I'm not sure. But the way the way they celebrated when they yeah. when they came back, I'm wondering whether there was anything. I mean, could they have got through? I mean, I tried really to work don't it earlier, and I couldn't quite get there. I don't see the how sto- they could because yeah. they were they, they finished two points off the. And the stories two, I was two. reading about the game, no, not one story did it say that anything was actually on the line. I just think maybe, yeah, they were just happy. It was just, just jubilation, I yeah. suppose, just general sort of... Uh, but even so, it's, you know, who cares? It was a great game and a, and a great comeback. And mm. there's something sort of old school about it. I suppose it was 25 years ago. So I, I, wrote, it was... down, I wrote down old school. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I've written, down, like, I've written down Muddy Pitch and you've written I've down... I've written down, down Running this Track is... and Family Fortune Scoreboard. This oh. is like one of those... Um, <laughs> Yeah. This is like one of those psychics, isn't it? In a, in a, in a crappy nightclub in Blackpool, where you, you know, they write <laughs> something down and then see whether you've written down the same thing. So, my friend, to... my friend, you've just reminded me of a, of a daft little story. My friend went to one of these nights, you know, where they get these mediums on and they come on and say something. And uh, this, the, did they the say woman, muddy pitch? Uh, well, no. The woman came out into the crowd and she said, that, she said to this woman in the in the front row, she goes, "All right, dear, uh, I'm getting G. I'm getting G." What is any any links to the letter G? And she's going, no, no, no. She went, hold on, hold on. Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky guess. Yeah. Oh, God, granddad. Yeah. Yeah. We've all we've all got one of those. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the only other notes I've got on this game, apart from um, Philip Albert scored for Andalect, the who would later obviously play for Newcastle. Um, the goalkeeper though, um, Joe, didn't have a good game in that final twenty-five minutes. Philip De Vilde, his name. He's all over the place. Yeah. I've, I've got written down that he comes flapping around. And, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of times where he sort of palms the ball away. He, he reaches it and he doesn't sort of get a fist to it. It's, it's really strange. He sort of flaps it out and then it goes straight out. But no, there was a couple of Premier League names in there. Wasn't there? Luke Nillis was playing yeah. as well. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, now probably most famous for the second most disastrous injury yeah. in the Premier League. I think that was 2000, wasn't it? When he played, he'd only Villa, played about yeah. six games for Villa. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, it was the f- what, five goals in 23 minutes, yeah. I think. First time there was eight. 
this time there was eight goals in a game in the new. Were they all not down one? Were they not all down one end? I should know this because I only watched it an hour or two ago. But they, uh, there was one at the other end, wasn't there? Was one at the other end? It, yeah. I'm just thinking because they all seem to be as you're watching it. They all seem to be down to that right hand side. And I was thinking if yeah. you were down the other end, you'd be mightily cheesed off. But no, I thought the second Danny Boffin goal was the best one. The goal that put and Electrina look where it was totally and he's one for the kids. Top bins. Top bins, yeah, it was top bins, yeah. No, some good goal. Yeah, it was some good goals in there. Uh, terrible back pass for the fifth and final goal from uh, from that goalkeeper. And electing disarray, I wrote down. They were in, in complete disarray. And uh, Marco mm. Bode was the name that I vaguely recognised, but he spent his entire career at Werder Bremen, but also played at Euro 96. That's where I remembered his name from. He was in the Euro 96 squad um, for Germany. So, yeah, if it's a, we, re- we realise it's a bit of a hipster choice, but check it out. Great comeback, although, as we say, there was a bit of a dead rubber. Uh, moving on then from comebacks to, I think, the best goal in the Champions League in the, uh, of this decade. I mean, obviously, there's um, in recent seasons, we've seen obviously last season with Bales, Ronaldo's, and clearly there's a Dan one in 2001 is a classic one. But before this... Mandzukic one. Yeah, as well. Mandzukic yeah, a couple of seasons ago. That's another great goal as well. And obviously the Gerard Olympiakos one. He's up there. So you ba- you basically ruined your own point now, haven't you? By no, of the decade. Ten others that were better. Oh, no, okay. of the decade. Yeah, that's Forgot, what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, there aren't many that compare to this of the decade. And it's still up there. It'd be within a shout of the best Champions League goal ever. Um, it's by a guy called Marco Bressan um, for Fiorentina against Barcelona on the 2nd November 1999. Bit of a journeyman midfielder of the 90s, played for Milan, Calgary, Bari. But this goal is a bicycle kick. It, it even, and this is a lot for me to say, maybe... Hang on, hang on, before you say anything, Go I've on. got something, I've got a name written down on my piece of paper here Go now. for it. Sir, we've never met before. We can confirm that. Uh, well, we have really, but... Uh, for the purpose of this exercise, uh, what name do you think I've got written down on my piece of paper after seeing this goal? Uh, Trevor Sinclair. Uh, in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's my a... favourite goal. Yeah, but do you think this is slightly better? No, I, think I don't. This, I think this the, the Sinclair one is more acrobatic. This one's from further out. Yeah, and the, and it was a moving ball. The Sinclair one was sort of a cross field. Yeah, it was sort of a moving ball. I know that obviously they're all moving balls, but this one, this one was like what, you know when you're playing in the back garden on your own and you're throwing a ball up and sort of yes, practicing overhead kicks, which obviously I never could and none of us probably ever did as well as this. But I don't know. It just sat up. I just think the, the Sinclair one was just a, a pace and it was it was a sort of cross field ball and it was all. It's just a more fluid motion, I think. But um, I'm happy yeah, to say against, this was better. against Barnsley and this was against Barcelona. So. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. Let's give you that. Well, in the 90s, they did sing at Barnsley. It's just like walking well, to Brazil, didn't they? So, you know, there's they not did. too powerful comparison. But, yeah, a 25-yard bicycle kick voted number two in an ITV poll was the best goal ever in the Champions League. That's a Dan goal. What was number one? There's a Dan goal in the 2001 final oh, right. against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, so, yeah, but if, again, if you haven't checked this goal out, Definitely Google it because it is one of those random ones from a player who I've go- I I didn't do a lot really Italian based never really pulled up any trees again journeyman midfielder played for a lot of good clubs but this is kind of the, his standout moment um, in, of his career later arrested for match fixing is part of that whole Italian scandal um, later on in his uh, career um, and this was the same group I don't if people will recall that uh, Arsenal were in when they were playing their games at Wembley. And that famous night when Gabriel Batistuta took the utter piss out of uh, Arsenal's defence um, in that group. And Arsenal didn't qualify for that one. So, yeah, check that out. Mauricio Bressan's goal uh, against Barcelona for Fiorentina in 1999. Moving on then. Um, this is one we all remember very vividly. Um, there's, there's something quite unique. You don't see it very often. And if it's not your own team, you take a somewhat 
sort of sly pleasure in watching two teammates scrapping it out. And when we talk Champions League, there's only one memory we all go back to. It's Batty in one corner. It's Lasseau in the other. It's 1995. It's Blackburn's terrible, terrible Champions League run. Joel, teammates find each other. It's quite funny when it's not your own team, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I mean, it, it happens at Newcastle as well, of course. Yeah. Uh, was it Dyer and Boyer? Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, this was a good one. And... It was one of those things where Manchester United were just kind of getting the grip somewhere with the Champions League. Yeah. And then they had the progress halted by a year by not winning the league. And, and Blackburn weren't in and they were hopeless. I mean, it wasn't a tough group they were in either with, you know, Moscow's a tough trip. But, mm. you know, uh, Leggy Walsall, Rosenberg, they should be beating them, yeah. the English champions. Yeah. And it was um, it was just a disaster, wasn't it, the whole thing? I mean, they started fighting. It was only four minutes in as well. Yeah. And you just know straight away, you're just like, well, look, that's the end of the game. Did it come out what had happened between them? Well, I mean, I've read there were allegations that David Batty um, went down the homosexual route, which we've talked about before with Graham Stowe, but he's come out in his book and denied that. They literally said it was just a disagreement because if you watched seconds before, they both go for the same ball and kind of there's a collision, to say the least, between Batty and Lasso. And it's, I think it was just Batty being annoyed at Lasso for being in the position that he should have been in. And uh, Lasso actually says he thought that he, David Batty was going to throw the first punch, so he just thought he did it and get there, get his dig in first. So really, we, he has never really come out and said what's actually been said, but I don't think it was anything. It's a bit, it's, it's funny, isn't it? There's, he's a bit of a trouble magnet, isn't he? Grim, so. Yeah. And, and... Do you think that's because he's sort of quite clever, <laughs> really? You know, he's not afraid to hide behind, you know, he won't hide his intellectual uh, his intellectual capacity, you know, whereas, you know, everybody knows the stories about Pat Nevin. He used to kind of hide books inside of newspapers yeah. so he wouldn't get the piss taken out of him. And, that, and he'd, he'd hide his, or he'd buy two copies of the NME every week, Pat Nevin, and one, he'd, he'd, you know, want to get stolen and ripped up or so people could take the piss out of him for liking the Smiths. And then, and then you know the second one for himself to actually read. So do you, is it some of that? Is it because he swears he's from Jersey, isn't he, Lasso? So he reads the Guardian that, and everything, you know. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He sort of, you know, whereas you know that that, that sort of intelligence is kind of looked down upon in football. It was especially isn't it? at that so, time. Especially yeah. when, when you're a player, not so much as a, uh, as a manager, but there is that inherent suspicion of intelligence, apart from a sort of Paul Gascoigne intelligence, and then by that I mean f a footballing intelligence rather than a, you know, an actual yeah. academic intelligence. Yeah, so you, you say that, Joe, but I mean, you go back. We've said this. I think we've discussed this before when we we spoke about the so. But I mean, there, there have been players that have had that. I hate to say intelligence because that's such a sort of. It sounds like a real snobbish thing to say, but. Steve Koppel did a degree, and uh, Brian McLare did a, uh, you know, it was a graduate, mate, I mean, think. My, my, my mate, Chucky, yeah, who I did a piece for today, uh, about today. Um, you know, they, they've all, Nevin, as you said, they've all had that sort of intellectual tag, but they never seemed to get in as much trouble as, as Lasso, did they? Um, and I'm sure there's others that we we might not know about now, but um, so like you say, maybe he was just wasn't prepared to sort of take a, take the piss out of themselves like may maybe players like Pat Nevin and Cop I mean I can't speak for those players yeah. but I don't know but they I know for a fact that McClare was almost ridiculed at United for you know reading the broadsheets and he loved his music and he loved his bands and he he would do his own thing he'd go out to gigs after matches and all that and I know Nevin did the same and I say Copper was a intelligent guy did a degree I think in economics or, or something you know but they never seemed to attract that you know they didn't have two on-pitch bust-ups that are so you know, it's like 
you know, I'm sure you know, and we've mentioned this lad before, but I don't think you were on the show when we talked about this. But you know, Adrian Doherty at Manchester United yeah. as well, uh, who was, uh, and I don't know whether you've read that book, Matthew, uh, mm, yeah. that Oliver Hall wrote, but it's about Adrian Doherty. It was really, really good. And, uh, you know, he was another one where that sort of, but he was, he just went, I'm, I'm having nothing to do with this. I can't be bothered. It's a, it's a pain in the ass. But yeah, you've sort of got to think, well, is Lesaw doing things to wind people up and sort of being a bit kind of snooty and condescending? I don't know. I mean, yeah. that's I, mean, I think we've all been in, on my part. I think we've all been in situations for one reason or another, whether, you know, whether people think you're posh or snooty or whether they think you're common as Mark or whatever. Nobody's ever thought I'm posh. Well, <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't doubt it. You know, coming out, buying 10 quid pizzas when you've got one in the freezer. I mean, why would they... I mean I'd, I'd, come down, me I'd come down there and give you a slap myself. I'll that. tell you called me posh. Uh, do you know uh, the football psychologist, Dr. Steve Peters? Mm, I don't uh, uh, he, just by he, you mentioning his name, says you posh. Yeah. Well, he's well, he's from Middlesbrough, but he's from Park End in Middlesbrough, whereas I'm yeah. from Linthorpe. And you know, uh, Linthorpe's known as being, you know, it's it's uh, you know, if we're grading on a curve, then as Frank Skinner Linthorpe would say, posh. He, as Frank Skinner would say, he gets out of the bath for a piss. He? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that in Kent. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but but you know whatever spectrum you're in, you know we've all been in a situation where you think, oh, you know I might have to not play myself down or play myself up. But, but I just wonder whether Lasso just didn't do that and just thought, well, you know what, you can sod off or whatever for a better word without wanting to sound posh. But you know it's just I, I just think that you can't be the only person in, a, in in the world that's ever played football and been accused of being different. Um, yeah. So maybe you just didn't play the the card of like you say well, we've all done it when we started college or school or a job you sort of play to the masses don't you regardless of what that is and maybe he just didn't want to do it i don't know i don't know i might be speaking it, completely certainly, certainly trouble followed him in the 90s as we've spoke before but it could be down to the fact that he was a bit too clever for some of the fellow pros but tim sherwood was the uh, sort of peacemaker in this fracas in in this game they went on to lose 3-0 they obviously were eliminated from the champions Henry well. was sent off as well yeah and Henry was sent off it was a, it was a terrible terrible campaign for Blackburn Rovers um I, I think they went into this game like with a, a slight chance of even qualifying but Spartak were already through and they blasted them 3-0 and you, you said Joe as soon as this fight happened you knew it was game over then um, there's a quick quote I've, there's a big article on the show actually that you can read um I think it's on the Guardian but surprisingly but he said I hit the deck and as I got up he came at me very aggressively he was being threatening and screaming things his face was contorted with anger as if he was going to rip my head off hitting him was more of a preemptive strike than anything if I'd not hit him I thought he was going to hit me first and apparently um Batty broke his hand in doing so as well so he came off worst and actually <laughs> injured and I remember him wearing a, the classic sort of uh, cast on his hand a few games after that as well so yeah Batty, Batty is kind of like the absolute opposite of Lasso, though, is yeah. in, in lots of ways. You know, like you hear about Batty, Batty missing the penalty in the World Cup doesn't really get talked about no. it. And I wonder, and I wonder whether that's because Batty himself doesn't care. He just oh, went. Yeah. I went up. I took the penalty. I missed it. I wasn't bothered. Well, he, he famously, famously, he always said he never liked football. Didn't yeah, he? he just said he never liked football. He wasn't interested. Yeah. He just, I, yeah, I think who he, else? Like, There's a few of them. Michael Ricketts, former yeah. Bolton in Middlesbrough, he didn't like football. Zamora's apparently not the biggest football fan, Bobby Zamora, but he's, mm. yeah, and he's having to be good at it. Um, oh, who was that Tottenham left-back? Benno Estosso-Cotto, apparently he was really not into football. Um, <laughs> How funny, yeah. but you might as well make the money. Exactly, if you happen to be good at it, it just doesn't seem fair somehow. Sometimes. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the best way to go if you don't care about something and you don't have that sort of... Uh, 
vested interest, do you? It's like, um, I remember I reading that... Batty cared, but he would never sort of beat himself up if something went badly wrong. I think his attitude was, it's almost like a very sort of Yorkshire attitude, like, you know... Yeah, I think he cared. Let's done crack on, let's done... Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he, he cared, he just, cared, didn't, I... he just didn't like football. I just, yeah. I heard he just would, he liked racing, I think, motor racing or motor bike racing or something. He, he would just go off and, you know, just go and do what he, his thing and he just didn't give a damn about football and maybe that's, I remember reading a, keeping it 90s, I remember reading an interview with Shania Twain, I think it was, and she said, she said, <laughs> uh, and she Twain. said that don't impress yeah, me yeah. much. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it, Alexa. Um, she said, she never, apparently she she never employed anyone that liked her music. And I don't know whether this is a common thing in the, in the music industry, but she was like, you know, I didn't, didn't want anyone hanging around me that liked me or my music. Cause it could have, it sort of put people in a, you know, people were on edge and they felt they had to, imp- you know, go out of their way. Whereas maybe that's the way to be with football. If you just don't give a shit about football and you don't like it, you could just go out and go, well, I don't care. I'll just go and do what I do. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go home and race my motorbike. Maybe that's the, be- maybe that's the way to be. Maybe I'm like Alexa, the world's best start. cricketer and I just don't know it. Well, yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> I just start to do that because you mentioned Shania Twain. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. I saw her perform that at Party in the Park, Capital yeah. FM. Yeah, Is that we, like oh, Capital Radio. Capital Radio, Party in the Park. Yeah. Have, have we got a picture? Uh, sorry, what was that, Joe? <laughs> Did you look foxy? Um, I was quite far back. I, I can't really. I remember Dion Dublin introduced it randomly. Um, what the TV's host of Arms Under the Hammer? Yeah, how was, well, yeah, he was. 90- I was sat with I was sat with somebody during the World Cup, and they went, "Why is him off Arms Under the Hammer? What did present in the World Cup?" <laughs> oh, that makes that makes me sad. Oh, I look. Have you watched him on Arms Under the Hammer? Hey, all he right. does is mention football every two yeah, minutes. He's all right. He's all right. I don't mind. About I like Dion Dublin. Yeah, I like maybe, Dublin. Maybe he didn't like football. Who knows? No, I spoke to him. Well, he seems but, to be in the property development now. Yeah, no, he was a big. No, I spoke. So, so does Robbie Fowler, but he, he liked football. Mm. He didn't. Right, like, if anyway, he didn't like Graham Osei. If any footballer should be on that show, seeing Shania Twain, then. Um, I don't know. I think I'd stop. You saw a party in the park. Capital party in the park. Yeah, the Capital FM party in the park. Yeah, Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. Uh, All right, was he living La Vida Loca? Yeah, very much so. Um, Who headlined? It was Madness. I think was there when they were trying to make another comeback. Um, Shania Twain is um, playing the MEN Arena on Saturday night. Friend of of mine's wife is going in. She's still going. She's uh, she's still going strong. Old Shania Twain. Um, it's still the one's her best song. I that think. is a tune. That is an absolute. Yeah. That yeah. is an absolute tune. Yeah. I, 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 walk, I walked past her once in Chicago. She's very short, from my memory. And Have her... you seen her with the teeth? <laughs> like before she got her teeth done, she's got proper Billy Bob teeth. How is she? I know, I've never seen. Yeah, her. there's mm. pictures of her. Just go, Google Shania Twain teeth, and you'll see her. With, it's ridiculous. <laughs> They're almost like growing parallel out of her gums. It's quite wild. Or, it, or if you're listening with Alexa, just say Alexa picture of Shania Twain well, that's it Alexa's just a speaker isn't it you know yeah, my Alexa is anyway, it's not a visual one by the way have we got a, have you got a PRS license Ash because you know we could get in trouble for these you're allowed 15 you're yeah, allowed 15, 15 seconds, allowed 15 oh, seconds. And, I, and I bet yeah. you were bang on 14 and a half <laughs> <laughs> I play Simple Minds every episode no one's ever batted an eyelid so we're alright I did right. wonder that I did wonder that yeah. <laughs> Jim, Ker- Jim Kerr's going to come round he is demand his share of the demand money. royalties he is indeed do you know who's a big Shania Twain fan Joe Kevin Owens how random is that yeah he turned up he was on stage with her the yeah. other week wasn't he they did, a, they did a thing and then he mentioned it on Raw which was yeah. really funny he was he was trying to bribe Roman Reigns or Braun Strowman yeah. or something and he said Kevin, that, I- he said I saw you out with United Twain tickets which uh, got a laugh out of me yeah she brought him on stage and they did a little bit together yeah. and he was overjoyed with his heart thumping out of his chest yeah. 
Canadian thing. It must be indeed. Did, I don't yeah, know how we. I don't know how we got to tonight via David Batty and uh, Graham Lasso, But let's move on to. Uh, um, we're going to go Kiev chasing now. Um, I forgot how good this team were um, in the late nineties. So we're talking. Is that a phrase, by the way, Kiev chasing? I don't know. I quite liked it as I came. It came out my mouth quite. Um, uh, instantly, I don't know where it came from. Although okay. I did think of Ian Wright again doing his Chicken Tonight advert as well as I took, as I said, Kiev. I think that was a weird tenuous link. Um, what am I talking about? God, we are so many tangents today. Diamond Kiev, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and ninety-eight, ninety-nine. The team that had two, what probably one of the best strike partnerships um, of the decade in terms of Champions League. Andrei Shevchenko is a name we've not mentioned on here before, mainly because I think he's more two thousands. But this was at the end of the decade. And Sergei Rebrov, yes, that of future Tottenham and West Ham, Sergei Rebrov. Um, in He's got a West Ham? Yeah, they, they all do, don't they? Once they're washed up, they always go to West Ham. Sorry, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk as a QPR fan. I don't remember him going to West Ham. That's funny, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. He might have even been I remember him being terrible at Tottenham. He never just worked, did it? Once he was split from Andrei Shonchenko, he never really worked out for him, did it? For, uh, mm. Did for Ukraine, though. Bloody but... hell, I could be a good strike partner of Andrei Shonchenko or Crikey. Well, he's, I mean, I'm almost... <laughs> He's he's a, he's a strange one, isn't he? Because I was watching a few of his goals actually, and he's a phenomenal striker, clinical. But he there isn't he was good at everything. There wasn't like you can't really pigeonhole him to say he was this type of striker. He didn't really have a lot of pace, but he still managed to outrun defenders. He wasn't the tallest, but it was great in the air. But he could just finish instinctive. It's absolutely fantastic strike, and it showed during these early days um, of his career. So in ninety seven, ninety eight, they beat Barcelona three 0 at home, four 0 away, where Shevchenko got a hat trick and topped that group, knocking Barcelona out, um, as well as um, Newcastle, who were also in that group. Um, they eventually went out that season to Juventus, and then the season after, they topped a group ahead of Arsenal, beat Real Madrid in the quarterfinals, and only lost to Bayern Munich in the semi-finals of that competition. Of course, they could have played Man United in the final. Uh, Matthew, Diamond Kiev, one of sort. Of, we haven't ever spoken to them, but can maybe just a phenomenal strike force for a phenomenal team at that time. Yeah, well, when you mentioned Diamond Kiev to me, and I automatically go back to that. I'm going to get a yellow card for this, but that 80s team where, yeah. I mean, do you remember the Mexico 86 yeah. squad? Yeah. 12, 12 players in that squad um, were from the Dynamo Kiev side. I think most of them played in the, in the first 11. You played great players like Vasily Ratz and Belanov and all those great names that were sort of, you know, we knew them as the Soviet Union, but they were obviously Kiev players. So just the name, just the, the name alone sort of brings back great memories. But when you, when you look back at their achievements in this campaign, you just think, gee, you know, it's a big, so Barcelona, big Barcelona, three 0 and four nil. Yeah, in, uh, in the group I mean, stage. Yeah, that's astonishing, isn't it? I mean, it goes back to what we were saying the other week or last week about, you know, how the Champions League's changed and for the better or for worse. And I mean, I think we all agreed for the worse. But can you imagine a team from Russia, stroke Kiev, now coming into the competition Ukraine. and achieve? Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, Ukraine. Um, Achieving that now, I mean, because everyone famously says now, oh, teams from Ukraine stroke Russia, you know, they don't travel, they don't, they can't do anything, and you know, and they're almost seen as a gimme, aren't they, in the group stages? But yeah. the thought of a, a team like that demolishing teams to that extent really does show how different things were. I mean, I know it was again the best part of twenty twenty five years ago, but but well, uh, it begs the question. I know we spoke about it the other week, but it begs the question: you know, Do you think we'll ever see? A team from a country like that, from a league like that, achieve those kind of heights again. I mean, they had won the double, hadn't they? That '98, uh, yeah. I think it yeah. was. They'd won the, their domestic league and cup double. I mean, I assume they probably did that pretty much every year, every other year at the time. But um, that doesn't seem to um, 
carry much water these days. I mean, that, um, young boys team last night that played United, they were the champions of Switzerland, but they weren't seen as a as a powerhouse. Admittedly, they could have been two or three up in the first half. But um, I don't know. It just made me feel a bit a bit nostalgic, really. Funny enough, being in a, on a nineties podcast, um, I just thought, you know, wouldn't it be great to see a team from Ukraine or just not one of the the powerhouses yeah. of European football doing this kind of this kind of thing. I think nowadays without a hefty backer and owner stroke, you know, somebody coming in there and investing it, you probably won't ever see it because we'll just see the same six or seven teams in the quarter of later stages of the Champions League, which is a shame because it's made it feel that good. I, I, I agree with you, Matthew. It's like a nostalgia to see a team like that kind of unknown in a league that we were not very aware of, especially in the 90s, go that far. And and hear players that at the time we didn't know of that we would go on to know. And that's what I was going to ask you, Joel. I mean, Andrei Vsechenko, obviously we saw him at Chelsea, but I don't think we ever really saw the best of him because we didn't really have that blanket TV coverage of firstly Ukraine. And even in the um, 2000s with the Italian league, it's it was sort of bits and bobs, but he was a phenomenal player, Shevchenko, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, when he came to Chelsea, you always got the impression that it was a Roman Abramovich signing yeah. rather than... I mean, I don't even know who was in charge then. Would it have been Ranieri or... Hmm. I don't know. I think it might have been Ranieri, yeah, still. Yeah, and it was, you know, this similar thing, you know, when when your chairman sort of foists a player on you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just peculiar and sometimes it doesn't work out. And sometimes players aren't right for certain leagues anyway I think we've mentioned that a few times I think we said Davosuka wasn't really particularly yeah. brilliant and you know there's some players who just come to this league and they're just they're just not right for it for whatever reason uh, but yeah Diamond O'Keefe okay, scored 17 goals in that 98-99 campaign because I watched the video of them all <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Shevchenko pretty much gets the majority of them and if not yeah, it's Rebel yeah yeah, yeah if, it's, if it's not one it's the other yeah um but yeah, very very strong, and they've kind of they're, they're one of those sort of almost old fashioned names of European yeah. football. Uh, whereas now you don't particularly. T- I mean, I don't even know whether they're in the Champions League or mm-hmm. or what this year. It's it tends to be more sort of Spartak Mos- Moscow yeah. and everything now, yeah, doesn't it? it? Does, so yeah. you, you do tend to get. I'm just I'm contradicting myself slightly by the fact that you don't. Well, I mean, Zenit were a classic team, but you get you, you tend to get in European football now these sort of te- these teams that have been pump full of money or back to teams like Krasnodar and those sort of yeah. names that you don't really recall but they they somehow sort of get through and fair enough every team you know it's happened before we've seen it with teams like Blackburn and God it's not like United and Liverpool and Chelsea haven't spent much over the years but it's just there's something about a name like that that is hard to you know I don't think I suppose it would only happen if a team like Krasnodar went and won the Champions League or or came second or or, or beat Barcelona 4-0 away. But um, it just seemed to be a little bit more organic then, didn't it? Uh, maybe I'm yeah. showing my age, but it just... It, just, it was know. nice to see um, Red Star Belgrade in this season's Champions League because that's a name. Obviously, they won the Champions League in the uh, well, the European Cup, as it was then, in the early 90s. They're, they're the sort of team you... you it was, like this... was it, was it, wasn't it 1986 or something where they beat Barcelona? Yeah. No, that was Bucure- that was Bucure- 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 yeah. yeah, they beat they beat Marseille in ninety one. Ninety one, yeah, yeah, ninety one. Yeah. I did an Instagram story of all the Champions League winners, so follow us on Instagram. Yeah, I saw that. I, yeah. I was a viewer on it. There you go at AK nineties pod on Instagram. So yeah, that was Bayern Munich. Thirty three goals in both those seasons for Shevchenko. One hundred twenty four in two hundred forty nine appearances, which 
again, as I always say, stats are skewed in 2018 when it comes to Messi and Ronaldo, but that is pretty impressive for the future. It was Mourinho, as who was manager at Chelsea, I just looked uh, when he signed there. So, uh, Moving on then, we'll, we'll, before we get we'll talk to our guest today, um, this one's not going to bring back good memories for Mr. Christ. Uh, I think we briefly talked about this a couple of weeks ago on This Week in the 90s. Uh, May United's first real battering in European football Barcelona 4, Manchester United nil, 2nd of November 1994. With no Cantona, he was suspended. The foreigner rules it was meant that Gary Walsh was in goal. Matthew, not a... Not <laughs> was, a that, was that nice for him? <laughs> not, it, it was probably about as nice as it was that day when he was in goal at the uh, Riverside in 96. Yeah. Well, when, when, he, when, he, when he was put in goal because it was... Yeah, uh, it was, it was probably nice. about the same, same experience. Have I had, told I my Gary Walsh story about West Ham? When he put his shorts on the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, his shorts on backwards. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to be on the bingo card. I think you said that. You oh, told that one about six times. Yeah. Classic, that. Oh, you're distracting my, uh, the woe for Matthew, though. Um, how bad was this, Matt? Do you remember being? Um, I remember being there very well, yeah. I was 18 on the 28th of September that, in 94. Um, week today, actually. Talking of this week in the 90s. And um, I didn't know what I wanted. And my mum and dad and my grandparents generously said oh well I've heard you want to go and watch United play Barcelona because I think we've mentioned this before but it was such a big deal then for United obviously European football was a little United uh, English clubs has only come back into European football as we all know in 1990 yeah. um, United won the Cup Cup and it was huge and then obviously the success that followed um, European football came along but it was still new and fresh and I remember um, that draw coming out of course well, it was. I mean, you won the league, you went in the European Cup, and you won the FA Cup, you won in the Cup and the Cup, and blah, blah, blah. You didn't get 10 teams in Europe like you do now. And um, I remember when that draw came out and United were away at Barcelona, it was such a big deal because United hadn't played there since 83, 84. United had them, had them in the Cup and Cup and famously lost 2 0 away and then came back and turned it around 3 to Old Trafford. And people talk about that game as being the most incredible atmosphere ever at Old Trafford. It was Robson scored at the end and Stapleton scored two and Robson got carried off the pitch and it was one of those huge nights and um, so everyone was like oh we've got to be there got to be there and I was like I was barely missed a game for United back then so I had to be there so um, my grandparents and my parents sort of chipped in and then gave me some cash to make this trip and I remember flying out on the day trip got the flight about about nine o'clock in the morning um, flew over there got there got bust into the ground was in the top tier of the um, well, the new camp as it is, still is the very top tier where the away fans are. It sat. is ludicrously yeah, yeah, there as well. Stood there for about six hours or what? I mean, looking back now, I mean, I was a bit wet behind the ears. Now I'd have just got a flight to Barcelona and hung around, had a couple of days in Barcelona, and which is what I do now, really. But then I was on my own and I was eighteen. I hadn't watched United away in Europe, and it was sort of oh, I have to get the um, official trip and all that, but. Um, so yeah, two hundred and fifty-two. Like kid on the video. <laughs> Did you want yeah. To yeah. Yeah. yeah, the executive coach or the luxury coach? Yeah, Inside it was, was two hundred and fifty-two pounds. I remember it well. And I got there, and we and I sat there for hours and hours and hours. And then the game started, and they United got absolutely hammered uh, all over the pitch. I mean, Barcelona were brilliant. They had Stoichkov and Romario, and United were depleted because Cantona sat it out. Um, Schmeichel sat it out. Um, it was a real sort of mishmash of a team. Ferguson put out my mate McClare in there to try and 
you know, do his job of what he did brilliantly back then of sort of trying to keep the young players together. But I think Pallister and Bruce got torn apart and it was a it was a real lesson for United in a football to we, we, I said the other week didn't I that United it took United a good three four five mm. goes at the European Cup to really get what it was all about I think a lot for a lot of us at the time it was seen as a, just a basically a bit of a jolly boy you know trip which this was and United took about 10,000 to the new Camp that night and there were fans all over the, that 114,000 the attendance was that I've got pictures of like I took my, like a disc camera do you remember disc cameras yeah uh, I took yeah, I took one of those with me because uh, it, it, it would go in my inside pocket of, of my jacket, and uh, I've still got pictures of the scoreboard with the attendance, hundred fourteen thousand. Um, yeah, they got absolutely batters, and then stood in that away end or seats where everyone stood up for about two hours, and then got placed on a bus straight back to the airport, straight back to the uh, and back to the UK. And I remember, I remember getting the train to the airport, and there was a ticket inspector checking my tickets on the way there I went to Barcelona watched United came back and on the way back on the train it was the same ticket conductor checking my ticket on the way back and I thought <laughs> wow he's obviously gone to work done his shift gone home had a pint had his dinner gone to bed got up gone to work and in that time I've gone to Barcelona seen United get hammered sat around for ages in the airport and what have you and then come back and he's basically just having another day at the, at the office and I remember I always remember that I think it was weird but um but yeah, was, I don't regret it one bit, and mm. I'm still very grateful for my parents and my mm. grandparents for, for chipping in for that. It's a good birthday present. Yeah, and I mean, everyone, it's a bit like now, everyone goes, oh, I can't believe you went all that way and saw United get beaten. I mean, I've done it loads of times since, but no, you don't care. I mean, yeah, but every really, away game, every away game is, it was great until the match. Yeah, like, yeah every well, away yeah. game you go, and if you get anything, if you get a point, if you win, I mean, I've been, I've probably been to about 20 grounds for Borough, maybe a few more. I've only seen us win away from home twice. One of them was in one of them was Huddersfield away on Boxing Day in like nineteen ninety seven or something, which was an own goal off somebody's arse. And then Brentford a couple of years ago. That's the yeah. only times I've seen us win well, the, away. The, it's not you about know, the game the gets games. the game gets in the way. I mean, last season I went to Benfica away and I left with about half an hour to go because I just you know, we'd been out all day and it was terrible, you know, Mourinho away in Europe and it was one nil, and then we went to Seville, and uh, I left at half time. I just thought I can't be doing with this, so I left. Walked back to the pub in, in the middle of Seville, where we'd been all day, and there were these other United fans in there, and they said, "Oh yeah, we haven't missed a United game for uh, thirty years, home and away." Uh, we left after fifteen minutes, yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like people go, "Yeah, I want to. I can't miss a United away game." You just can't miss the kickoff. Yeah, and yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not I'm, and that's not just a United thing. I know that with a lot of lads here yeah. in Liverpool that will go. And it's almost a sort of, you've got to be there. You want to go there because, you know, you want to be with the lads. But the game, it, it sort of gets to about six o'clock and you think, I can't be bothered with this. And I know that sounds terribly arrogant and spoiled and everything, but it, it does, it just sort of... We, we did talk about this the other week. It's that, you know, when I went away when I was a kid, it would devastate me. You know, I certainly couldn't have a good time. I'm just like, oh, that's only the game. Let's go somewhere else and have a drink and have a carry Yeah, I mean, I've... I've, I've I've booked up to go to. Um, you going to Valencia? Going to, Grand? I'm going to. I'm going to Turin uh, in November. Nice. Going to have a night night in Milan. Train to Turin. Got tickets because I've got uh, Toto credits and going all these years. But the mate I'm going with, he hasn't got a ticket, and I wouldn't be surprised if we both end up going. You know what? Let's just sit and watch it in the pub, and you know, and and I'll do the same with Valencia. I'm flying to Barcelona. I'm going to have a couple of nights in Barcelona. Go down to Valencia and. 
maybe via Benidorm or like. <laughs> But Why did you just... get mugged in Barcelona? I got mugged in Barcelona. I think every, I don't think I've known anyone that hasn't been mugged. Didn't I Harry Redknapp famously been, get I've been there three times, in. never been mugged. I got mugged in a really sort of... Because uh, I've heard of some horrible muggings, but I got mugged in quite a comical way, really. They sort of, There's guys, a surprise. These guys came up and sort of started dancing with me, and I was dancing back pissed up. And oh, then yeah. they, got, they got my arms and they sort of locked them in and one of them went into my pocket and nicked my wallet and i was like oh for crying out bloody loud they and must then, have known you were some poncy londoner that yeah but then they threw back my wallet with all my cards in so i think they only took about 80 euros and then my girlfriend at the time we went back to the hotel and she just went well i'm going to sleep all right you have to <laughs> talk to me about what's just happened then okay cheeky man <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but we did go to the new camp, and that was good. Yeah, you got to do while you're Barcelona. Yeah, it's got a picture of me with the European Cup. Yeah, and to which I said, there's, yeah. there's only there's only me and Brian Clough from Middlesbrough done this, so that was good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's quite good fun that tour. I <laughs> yeah, sort of advise it. My friends tour. said that they went on the tour and they went to a game and they said they were bored at the game and Messi had got a hat trick in the game and they just said the atmosphere was rubbish. But then mm. when they went on the tour, they enjoyed that much more. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah. the football geek in me, I love going away, and I like—I I wouldn't say I've always stayed for the whole game, but I just—I get fascinated with the stadium, the fans, and I find myself watching. Not even watching the game, and I love the social as well. I love the drink and, the, and seeing the cities and stuff. But I don't know that maybe I'm a. There's a bit more of a geek in me that just loves. Going well, to I've, the I've decided. To, I, I've made a pact with myself this time. I, I thought when the draw came out with Juventus, I thought I really want to go. I know it's a new new ground and everything, but I thought I really want to. You know, I'm going to try and embrace it for everything I should do this year on this this campaign. But I can guarantee you, come that first night or that first morning after the first night in Milan, I'll probably think, "Oh God, can't what be bothered is, to." What is your favourite away ground? Me now, oh, yeah. I think mine's either. I had really good fun at Brentford because that was like on every corner time. Yeah, and the pub on every corner, and I like going to Fulham. Yeah, it was a great walk through the park, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you get there through the park, and it's um, yeah, although Michael Jackson's gone now, which is yeah, true. that's true. Uh, um, I like going to Selby Park. I've been to Selby Park a couple of times. Uh, not, not but is that is, is that because of the ground or because of the city? I mean, I, I, um, I mean, I'd more on the atmosphere. Was a good park, yeah, city. but more on the atmosphere because it's just a little bit. I mean, I haven't seen QPR play there, but I, I've been to a Celtic game um, there. And I've been to a Celtic game. I sat in the away end. I think it was at who end were we in Hearts. We were in the Hearts end. Um, so that, that's a, that's quite a bit. I'm trying to think of QPR though, and I've on away game. I've enjoyed good, Goodison Park. Always like yeah, it's the old school grounds, isn't it? It's old school, and there's loads of pubs around it and chip shops, and you know it's just a great. It's just great, and I'll be Back sorry if they, away, they, yeah. they. What was it? Goodison Park. Yeah, we talked about this a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's ring a bell now. Well, yeah. um, we, we, I love the tangents we're going off, but we're we're going quite deep in time wise. So let's take a break there. Um, for the record, Storch got two in that game. Romario and Albert Ferrer, future Chelsea player, scored in that 4-0 win for Barcelona. There's a great article on The Guardian that I found um, talking to Gary Walsh about that night. Which I won't repeat because it's quite long, but it's quite interesting to see how when he knew he was playing, how he felt about playing. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Simon Davis on the bench as well. That made me laugh. There's a name I haven't mentioned or thought about in a very long time um but that's talk about somebody we have mentioned actually i think we've already mentioned him on today's show he is uh, today's guest he won the champions league in 1995 which we will talk about after the break he's over here promoting a, a charity event on the 30th of september called the canoe cup that gives you a big old clue to who we're talking to it's a great event who else could it be I don't, it couldn't there is another canoe there is isn't there 
Someone who can't, I don't think he played. I think he played later. But yeah, the Wanku Kanu I spoke to uh, last week. Uh, he's bringing this charity game. It's a Premier League Legends versus Africa the Legends. They're playing at the Barnet's Ground um, on the 30th September. I'll put the link on Twitter if you want to pop down and see a plethora of legends. Um, he tells you who's playing in this interview. So sit back and enjoy me speaking to Nwanku Kanu. Hey, this is Alexi Lawless, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember. Keep it 90s. Okay, I'm sat here with a 90s football legend, two-time African Footballer of the Year, Champions League winner, and a, a scorer of one of the most memorable Premier League goals of all time. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, Ranko Kanu, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's, we'll talk about your 90s career in just a second, but you're here promoting a, a, a new charity game that we're all very excited about, some big names from the decade as well. Uh, tell us about it, who's playing, when can we get tickets and, and everything about it. Okay, it's to do with the Kanha Foundation. And, um, it's a foundation, charity foundation established in the year 2000. And um, up to date, we have done 542 operations, which means we have saved 542 lives. But... Um, our biggest problem now is that we have almost like 200 on the waiting list with the heart issues, uh, less privileged kids, um, and that's where the uh, football game come up. Uh, just a fundraising charity game to raise funds for these 200 who are there on the waiting list that have this problem with heart for us to save their lives. And uh, the game is going to be between uh, the Premiership Masters and African Premiership Masters. I'm uh, going to be at the Hive, um, Barnet FC Stadium, um, 30th September, 3 p.m. And um, I am looking up to, to, up to it because I know it's going to be an interesting game, a wonderful one. And um, we're calling everybody to come and enjoy the Masters, uh, do their thing because they are still fit <laughs> and they can play. And um, if you really uh, cherish what they have done in football, I think this is the time to really come and. Uh, yeah, support them and not only supporting them, uh, you you can donate, you can buy tickets, whatever you do is to help the less privileged kids with heart problem. And what any names you can release today? Who who's playing for in these Premier League legends? Yeah, the good thing about the the game is that all the whole legends that I've called, whenever I call them, they said yes, they're going to be there, and uh, we chose. They are supporting a good cause, and um, we thank them for that. We have uh, Jens Lehmann, who is going to be in, in goal for the Premier League uh, Masters. So, Kambo, Pascal Chubanda, um, William Gallas, Wes Brown, uh, Steve McManaman, uh, Jonathan Greening, um, Robert Perez, um, Teddy Sheriham, uh, Louis Saha. Lots of big names there. A lot of Emily Hesky. Uh, we have a lot of them who wants to... And we have more names who, who are even shown interest. Uh, by next week, we'll confirm more of them. Uh, but the African legends, uh, African all-stars, masters, we have um, Shaban, who's going to be in Go, in Go Post. Um, Basong, Ebue, Jemba Jemba, uh, Fortune, Okocha, Yakubu, Lualua, uh, Dana Mokachi, um, Fadiga. So a lot of also good names are coming there. 
But the interesting thing is that uh, most of the African masters I've spoken with, uh, they are taking it serious and they really <laughs> want to win. <laughs> we should see a good game. So September 30th at the Hive, you can get your tickets. We'll put a link yeah. on the Twitter feed. Uh, let's take you back, though, to, to the 90s, as we do here on, on the podcast. Let's go all the way back. You obviously grew up in Nigeria. How did you end up at a great team like Ajax? And what was that like to, to sign for that for them at such a young age? Uh, it was a good one. Um, of course, Ajax was the best youth school in the world then. And, uh, yeah. When they saw me play, they interested and uh, they asked me to come down to Amsterdam, and I did. And it went well. I stand for the club, and uh, yeah, I won some trophies with them before I uh, moved on. What's it like to, to leave home at that sort of young age and, and travel to Europe? Is it a daunting thing, or is it an exciting thing to, to, to play for such a, a massive club in Europe? The exciting thing in the sense that everybody back home wants to move forward and when i say move forward it means that you want to leave the country um, to play with the best and learn more from the best as well and from bigger clubs uh, well established clubs in the world uh, to learn uh, your trade with them and uh, get more experience uh, more knowledge of the, of the game and at that age yeah not only me a lot of us that uh, played in the youth level, wanted to move. And thank God that uh, we succeed. Uh, getting clubs, big clubs like IS, uh, to come for us. Uh, but it was difficult though, because uh, the first time you're traveling, um, going to yeah, meet different people, different language, uh, also culture, and the food is different, so <laughs> and the weather is different. Yeah. So, but, um, because you wanted it, because you are determined to do that, um, you are focused, you want to do well, so the, the doors will be open for others, and you want to, the more you do well, the more you can help others uh, back home, then you move for it. And that famous night in 1995, Ajax won the Champions League, you, you came off the bench that night, what was that like to playing such a young age as well, and what an Ajax team that was? Oh, wonderful team. When people are talking about Barcelona, you talk about Ajax. Because at then we were like the Barcelona, we were like playing the best football in the world. And uh, yeah, Champions League finals, that's the best you can ask of. <laughs> and uh, being young at that age, and because we don't really understand what it means, but we know we're going to play in the Champions League finals against a big club, AC Milan, that we have been uh, following and um, yeah, supporting most of us at that time, we like AC Milan big club but to play against them and um, yeah uh, win the Champions League uh, it means a lot for a lot of us who, who are part of that team um, it kickstarts our career it makes us to be on that top level and uh, we appreciate it because for the club for we I think that's the biggest thing that you can achieve. Mm. When you look back at that team now, I mean, did you appreciate at the time how what sort of superstars you look at the likes of Yari Lippmann and yourself, Van der Sar, Seedorf, Mark Overmars? It's a, it was a who's who, wasn't it, of football? No, it was. It was. <laughs> it was. When you look back, yeah, like you said, if, if you look at the names that you're calling now, a lot of them did well. They moved on and to big clubs. Not only to big clubs, they. they did very well at that level and um, I was very pleased to be part of that team because uh, looking back we say oh 
I played with Van der Sar, I played with Sidov, I played with these, uh, so it was great to be part of that team. Do you think that's why Axon didn't actually kick on from that as well as they could have? Because there were so many big names and we'll talk about your move in a minute, but everyone moved on after that. Uh, no, but uh, everybody knew Ayas. Ayas is like a school. You come in, you graduate, you move on. So, And that was um, the style and the way they wanted it. Uh, so immediately you do well in Ayas and... Um, yeah, a lot of clubs will come for you. They will not say no. Then they will now, yeah, make the deal, and then you have to move on. And they have other young ones who are coming up, so they keep producing mm-hmm. and they keep uh, pushing uh, you to move forward. Mm-hmm. 1996 was a big year for you on many levels. Um, the start with the move to Inter Milan was it always Inter? Who was? Did you talk to other clubs? What was it like to move to such a huge club like Inter Milan? Yeah, yes, it was good. I just opened the door for clubs to do for us, and a lot of clubs come. Uh, but uh, the president of Inter Milan wanted Kanu, wanted me, so, and uh, I noticed that, and I decided to go there. Uh, and it was fantastic because uh, he's somebody that I really appreciate and grateful up to today, what he have done in my football career. And, and, yeah. And that summer, of course, you'd already made your debut for the international team, but then it was the Olympics. It's like the biggest thing that the Nigerian football ever did. You were captain, you scored in the, the semi-final. What an experience was, was that like to play in the, in the Olympic Games and win the gold medal? As Olympics is, is, I think, if not the biggest, because you have a lot of different sports. Uh, and sport is, uh, football is one of it. And uh, it's the first time an African team is going to be of that level the semi-finals and it was Nigeria and I was the captain so <laughs> we represent an African continent and uh, Nigeria as a country uh, but it was not like yeah we had a favorite to mm-hmm. win it it was left for Argentina and Brazil and Brazil was having this wonderful team that uh, they called him the dream team. Had Ronaldo and Rivaldo, didn't they? Bebeto. <laughs> the teams, if you start calling the names, that's the national team. You can't stop them. <laughs> and the friendly games that they do play, they keep winning teams. Like, people are scared of them. Nobody wants to play against them. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, they were in the same group with us. It <laughs> was the first uh, in the group uh, stages, 1-0. And then we met again in the, again in the semi-finals. And uh, yeah, they started uh, yeah, dealing with us. Scored 2-0, 3-0, three, 3-1. And uh, yeah, that's where uh, Nigeria, like 10 minutes to go. We got 3-2 and then uh, one minute to finish. Um, then I have to do what I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> Then scored a wonderful goal against Brazil, the almighty Brazil, to tie up uh, the game to 3-3. And then we go for the golden goal. And that was what was uh, in vogue at then, golden goal. Uh, golden goal, 3-3, we resume and then, uh, yeah, saw the ball and then I did the fake shot and the defenders followed it. And uh, I scored a fantastic goal on my left. <laughs> And then we knocked out the mighty Brazil. And then we went on in the finals and then beat Argentina. Where's your gold medal now? Do you have that pride of place? Yeah, it's in my house, in my home. And uh, I cherish it a lot. Uh, but it's um, history. It's something that uh, your kids, uh, you are proud to show up and show the world that you have done this. Mm-hmm.
and then later in 1996, of course, you, you had the heart scare uh, that came after a medical. I mean, you talked about it obviously previously, but just give us an outline how scary at that point the, the blocked valve that you had. Did you think your football career was over? I mean, at that time in your career, what was it like? It was difficult because you know that you have won the Olympics, you are on top, uh, the level you are like phew, one of the best in the world. And uh, suddenly, and then. <laughs> Uh, from the club medicals, uh, medical that you did in the club, they saw that uh, there's something not really okay with the heart. And then when they told you, first of all, it was in the national TV and the newspapers, that uh, the doctor says he can't play football anymore, uh, it was big. Mm-hmm. The news keeps spreading all over the world. But, uh, they, they can, cannot play football. So for me, it was difficult to take him because it could have been nicer if the club came to me and then uh, said to me that you have this and then we cannot announce it to the world and the national. But uh, it was hard then. I can't really describe how I felt, but it was not really something because it's something you love doing every day of your life and uh, suddenly you cannot do it anymore after winning the Olympics and signing a new club. But uh, I believe in God, and uh, thank God, there must be a reason behind it, and I uh, have to move forward. And how determined did it make you just to, to make a full recovery? You did make a recovery and obviously played for Milan again, but how, how determined were you to do that? Um, yeah, the advice from the doctor is that you are young, and then if you can do the operation now, you can play football. And when I did the operation, and um, yeah, they satisfied and said that yeah, you can go on and play football. And then I was very, very happy. So um, uh, I did, uh, came back, because um, I was out for one year, mm. I didn't play football for one year. So when I came back, after six months, I came back. Well, it was different because you didn't play for long. But I have to pick it up from there and then start doing what I love doing. It didn't, was that part of why it didn't properly work out into Milan for you? Did you feel like with all that mixed in, it didn't? you needed a fresh start when you eventually moved to so Arsenal? What really happened for you at Inter? Oh, at Inter, like I said, it was not, when you have that, I think some people cannot even come back. Mm. Uh, it depends on the kind of heart you have. If you're strong and believe that you're good, you're good. Um, it was not something so easy to be out of football for one and uh, one year, six months. So if you can do that and still come back, um, it's going to be difficult years ahead of you because you didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Inter Milan didn't want me to go. They know my um, potential, they know mm-hmm. what I can do, and they keep holding because clubs keeps coming. Mm-hmm. But they don't want me to leave until one day. And the president have to, I have to go to him and uh, said, um, let me just go and, and I will still come back and, and that's why I, I went for a loan and then when I yeah, came to Arsenal they wanted me back yeah, but uh, uh, then I decided to stay over. Why Arsenal? What, what was it about that, that move that made you want to push through to leave? To Was it particularly to play in the Premier League? No, uh, Arsenal was behind the move mm. because um, he kept calling and, and I think I believe he sent some people down to Milan to check me out and see if I'm still the same person, if mm-hmm. I can play. And then after everything, um, they went back to him and he was like, yeah, he wants him. 
and um, they showed interest for six months, and then I know that they are really serious. Mm. And he keeps calling, not like somebody else was calling. He was the one calling. He was calling. So I was like, yes, I don't have to go to the other clubs. I have to go for for him. So which I'm grateful and I appreciate at then because yeah, coming back and nobody is hundred percent sure what he can do, mm. and then suddenly big club like us now have to come in and say that's wonderful. Mm. We have to talk about your debut, which was a crazy moment in, in the history. <laughs> the, the, the weird sportsman life might go Sheffield United. I mean, what did people say to you after the game? You have to, after this, you have to stop because they are going through the whole, whole stuff. So let us jump from one to another now. <laughs> Let's talk about the Chelsea hat trick. That's, that's the, you know, we're nearly the end of the decade now. I mean, that's one that we all remember you for, that, especially that last goal. Yeah. Um, is that one of your favourite goals, one of your favourite moments playing for Arsenal? Um, yeah, it's playing for Arsenal. Yeah, I've scored different types of goals, wonderful goals. But um, when you ask people, they normally talk about the Chelsea game. Um, if you watch the goals, score against the Portivola Corner, it was wonderful goal. Middlesbrough, yes, I scored a lot. But that one, I think, to do with... Uh, London derby, Chelsea, and Chelsea haven't lost a game in uh, in the stadium there. Um, they haven't even conceded any goal, so it was difficult uh, for us not to come to do what we did because nobody believed we were going to do that, mm. but nobody gave us that chance knowing the record. Mm. Uh, what Chelsea were doing, they were really on top of their game, so it's difficult for somebody to come there <laughs> to do that. Yeah. And they showed it, they showed it because during the first half, they were too down. So that's a sign of how strong mm. they are. But uh, 15 minutes to the ending, I believe that's why people really love that. Yeah, 15 minutes <laughs> to go, I remember it. To go, it was like, yeah. Before they could understand, I scored one, and uh, like 2-1. And I uh, got the ball from home from us, and uh, a little bit of Thierry Henry's help because he has to be in front of the defender to shoot him out. And I scored 2 2. The third one is everybody was there. Everyone, well, it's such a tight angle, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember uh, my friend uh, from Nigeria, Babayaro, uh, we used to talk, mm. and he was like telling me before the game that. Even if we are coming to play against them, that all my tricks, you know, I've told the defenders and the goalkeeper what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I don't even have to try doing all this stuff because they know me. They know. <laughs> and when he said that, I was like, Pooh, what am I going to do? But when I saw the ball and I saw the keeper coming out, I know because normally, if, even if in training, people say that they know what I'm going to do, but I still do what I, I know how to do and they can stop me. So it, the degree we have to run out, and I saw him. Then I did that fake shot, and he followed it, and I got the ball. But getting the ball on the line was a difficult one. But if you look at that goal, I didn't see any Arsenal player mm. inside the box. I see them actually not outside the box, and it was Suka. That was Suka who was calling for the ball. Yeah. And from the angle I am, and it was 2-2, we didn't even expect to have two two, and suddenly we are in two two, so we are we are in. So no problem. I can do anything I want from there. <laughs> so now I have to decide 
the heat is from that angle, which is a difficult angle, mm. um, to score from there. Mm. Just get my targets, get my where I want the ball to be. I could have, I could see the defenders trying to put their neck and stretch their head, and <laughs> that was good. It was a good goal. It was a wonderful goal. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap up then with with the World Cup just quickly. France '98. What was it like to play in a World Cup? And and why did you wear the number four shirt? Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Number four, uh, my uh, in Nigeria, uh, the late Stephen Keshi used to be number four, mm-hmm. and they call him the big boss. So for me, I see that number as like, cool. you have to be the big boss before you can wear yeah. number four. And I see myself that I'm the boss as well. So I, think, uh, so I picked up the number. Because of him. Oh, okay. Uh, because he was playing, then I saw the number and I picked the number. And to play in a World Cup was one of your highlights of career? That's, that's the best thing that can happen to any player, to be part of uh, any country, to represent the country in the biggest tournament in the world, World Cup. So for you to come out there, the world to see you means a lot. So for me, I've been there three times. Uh, most of them were inju- injuries, but it was okay because in the history of uh, football, I will be mentioned that you yeah, participated in the World Cup and you did well in the portal. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time, Kenny. Thank you. And we'll look forward to the game in September. You're invited and I hope you'll be there. I will be there. <laughs> Cheering you on. Thank, thank you. you. Very much. This is Jason Summerby, star of the Renford Rejects, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Nwanku Kanu there, yeah, great stuff. He really didn't want to talk about that Sheffield United goal, did he? Oh, well, at least we got him talking about the Chelsea goal and the Champions League, which we'll talk about that Ajax game in just a bit. Yeah, and, and mentioning hat-tricks against uh, Middlesbrough. No, I didn't mention Middlesbrough, just for you. I didn't. Well, to be honest, I had all these questions and they were running late and I got pushed out the door slightly because he had about a million one things to do and, and talk about, So, which is why he didn't really... He claims he didn't want to talk about the phantom goal at Sheffield United, but I think he still feels quite embarrassed about that. So I didn't get to mention that sort of... Was it a back hill we mentioned against Middlesbrough? Great goal. Um, but, mm. yeah, but no, good stuff from Kenny. Go and support the famous one, Well, I mean, it's famous for me because I got stuck in the turnstile. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that. Last <laughs> <week>. <laughs> um, right, we're down to five more moments again. Could be a top five, but we're just talking 10 moments of the Champions League. Um, we'll quickly go through this one. This is the 1997 final. Um, this is the story just is made me sort of my heart sing a little bit for the third goal in this. This is underdogs Dortmund beating Juventus 3 1 um, in the 97 final. I'll get revenge somewhat from the 1993 UEFA Cup final, which Juventus won. Um, there was two goals for Karl Heinz Riedler, who would later play for Liverpool and, of course, was part of that great Germany side in, during that decade. And the third goal was scored by Lars. Ricken, who at the time was a 20-year-old local lad who got the third goal just 16 seconds after coming on. The fastest sub to ever score in a Champions League final. Um, So big names in this Dortmund side, so big names in Juventus side. A bit one for the underdogs this one, wasn't it, Joe? Yeah, yeah. There's a really interesting um, video on YouTube that I watched before this. Did you watch that, gentlemen? Interviews with... uh, Yes, Riedler and... um, Otto Hitzfeld. That's his name. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, it was was sort of really interesting because they said, you know, because Juventus at the time were, you know, Zidane and Deschamps and uh, Alan Boxic. Yeah, it's too soon to be Middlesbrough, yeah. Yeah. um, and And in the video, they talk about, you know, they didn't really know 
what they were going to do with Juventus, but they knew that Peruzzi was weak coming off his line. So all week, they just practised set pieces over and over and over and over and over again. That was just all they did. They just, and then it, then the rest of it was like discipline, keep your shape. And when you get a set piece, take advantage of it. And I mean, and that's actually... Exactly what they did, yeah. What they, what they do, you know. Um, and Riedler gets, what, is it two in yeah. six minutes? One's a good strike and then there's the header. Yes. Um, he smacks that first one, one doesn't he? And Hitzfeld says to... Uh, What's the young kid called again? Sorry. Lars Rickham. Yeah. He says, go on and score the goal that wins us it. And, and lo and behold, he does. He goes on and he puts his off his line and he, he chips him. Lovely it's little a, the, the plan. They loved it when the plan came together. Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah. Sorry to... how, many ma- how many managers do you think have said, go on there, son, and get me the goal that wins it? And it actually hasn't happened. Because you only ever hear it. Yeah. The manager bring it up when it actually does happen. But I think it's probably you? just a thing that you say to just encourage people. Yeah. Isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, just funny, isn't it? Every time you you look back on a famous game or something, they always say, "Oh, the manager said to me, go on this, son, and get get me the goal that wins it.'" And you think, hey, "I told him to do that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amount of times, amount of times that must have happened, and it didn't didn't work out, and it's never been mentioned since. But mm. they beat. Um... I told him, to, I told him to go on and score the goal, but he just didn't. So yeah, he just um, got, he got a good <laughs> yeah. manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess we can't inspire these men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew, they beat Man United in the semi-finals, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they did. Well, I was saying earlier on how it took United a wee while to sort of get to the gist of. of and I said last week, didn't I? How it sort of reminds me of City now. How the first few years of United winning stuff, everyone was almost so in awe of winning things. I don't think they sort of took it. Well, sort of not not literally, but it, it came to Europe and it was just seen as a bit of a bonus. And um, this season, it, I think it was the first season that people really sort of thought maybe United had a chance here. Got got to the semi final against this Dortmund team, and maybe a bit of naivety. I think a lot of people sort of thought, "Oh, Dortmund, you know, weren't a huge." I mean, obviously looking back, it was it was it was stupid because they because they were a good team. But I'd, in terms of sort of great European names, I don't think people really. Uh, no. I think people, a lot of people underestimated them. And, yeah. Yeah, but uh, they beat United one nil and one nil in the semi final, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that was a shock again, a sort of a bitter disappointment to Ferguson. I mean, I think that was a, another one of these seasons where Ferguson said, "Yeah, we really could and should have won, won the European Cup with the team that they had, and uh, and didn't." And another sucker punch, really. But in fairness to Dortmund, they, you know, ultimately got to the final and they proved to be a team worthy worthy of losing to, I suppose. But um, I always kind of like what Ferguson said when United won it the third time, and he went. He went, yeah, three's better. Three's about right. Yeah. And I always thought that was a really, you know, that was a really interesting thing to see. He said, like, we should be having, you know, a club like Manchester United should be having at least three European Cups. You know, we should have had more. I yeah, I think, really I think bad. three. I think in hindsight, I don't know when he said that, but well, I suppose he said after after, after the, the third one. Yeah. Ninety, yeah. Um, I mean, in hindsight, I wonder whether it is really. I mean, you look at that that sort of dynasty of United in the between, say, ninety. Five and well, 2010, 11, and you think three times in in the history is probably no way below par. I think. Mm, I know yeah. that again. That's, mm. not, that's not me wanting to sit down greedy. But then or, we're, I mean, or, we're going to talk about this in a bit. But Barcelona, it, it, well, that's, yeah. their first one was ninety two. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's go on to that. The only other thing I was going to say was obviously Paul Lambert played in that um, Borussia Dortmund team as well, which people may not remember. Is that when they, were they sponsored by Oliver or something? They, I always remember the joined up script yeah. on the 
Yeah, I think they were. Yellow shirt, Saint Oliver, Saint Oliver or something. Something like that. I remember the the Juventus kit in that game, the blue and yellow. The blue one, one oh, with the star. Oh, with Sony written on it. Beautiful, beautiful kit. But yeah, as you mentioned, Joe, um, let's talk about our next moment. Barcelona lighting up Wembley in 1992, which is when it was the European Cup still before it was the Champions League. And yeah, I think that's the fact that everybody forgets. This was the first time Barcelona, the juggernaut that we know in 2018, won the European Cup. It's, and it's the only time it was the second Spanish team to win it as well. So only before that, Real Madrid were the only Spanish team to have won the European Cup. And then Barcelona did it for the first time in 1992. And as you say, Joel, that's astonishing than what we see now, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that was the first thing that struck me when I went, oh, God, yeah, it was the first time they'd won it. But even if you think back, you know, you kind of think, well, they must have won it with Cruyff in the team. Yeah. They must have won it, you know, Johan Niskins and all that sort of stuff. You know, you think, oh, oh. you know, I always, before Borough won the League Cup, you know, I always, I read a thing that Harry Pearson wrote where he said, we haven't even got something daft like an FA Cup from 1874. You know, we haven't got anything. And it just seems really bizarre that, you know, Barcelona, because you, you'd think, oh, well, Cruyff must have won one. Or, you know, all, all of those big names that were, that were there, sort of 60s, 70s. You know, I suppose Real would dominate. Yeah. Well, well, even in the 80s, when you think they had Maradona, they had Lineker, they had, even to a certain extent, Mark Hughes. It was... You know they had they've always had the greats, but yeah, 1992. I mean, this was the team of Ronald Koeman who gets the goal, the the free kick in that game. Albert Ferrer's in the team. Stoichkov, Laudrup, Guardiola. It's They're wearing that yellow, that sorry, that orange, orange love, lovely orange kit. And of course, I've got a bit of news for you, actually. Ooh, have you seen Barcelona's alleged uh, Barcelona's alleged kit for next year? I haven't, and I like to be enlightened on kits. No stripes. It's going to be checkerboard. Ooh. Oh. First time Barcelona have never had stripes. They had a half and half shirt one season. Not yeah. Back. That's kind of a stripe, I suppose. But yeah. Oh, I'll have to dig that out on Twitter and have a Checker look. Checkerboard, so it's going to look a bit like Croatia. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Well, Man United had that Gimmon. Gingham print in there a few seasons ago when they last won the league. Um, what was the one I sent you the other day? Uh, 1860 Munich. Yeah, it's an Oktoberfest thing, isn't it? The October. Have you seen yeah. that, Matthew? Yeah, well, I think that's a tradition, isn't it? They don't they do that each year. I think so, year, yeah. Because they? they have the lederhosen shorts, don't they? Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's so like a tablecloth. Um, yeah, it's a classic. The best kit, have you, have you seen that one that's, um, I can't remember what team it is. I think it's like a team in Spain, maybe down in like their third division. And it's the one that's like the inside of a body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on, here's, yeah. My, here's my pop star story. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to Ida, Ida Field, because I used to work with Ida, wife of Robbie Williams. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, you've got to buy Robbie this kit. And she went, why? And I says, oh, Rock you. DJ video. Yeah. And she went, get me it, get me it. I was on it. I was like, go and get Robbie Williams this shirt. It's the kit his wife then Palencia, he wears it. Is that where it was? I think so. Just... Yeah. Is that their regular? Yeah. Is that a regular kit? It or was, was it a, yeah. It was, was their away kit, wasn't it? 2016, 17 it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, the regular kit. I'd like to buy that for Robbie Williams. It's made by Kappa, randomly. What what yeah. size did you get it? Joe? Large. <laughs> he's a big lad, you know. A... I mean, muscular. Well, yeah, oh yeah, that's what I meant. I, I, didn't, mean I didn't want to like Robbie. I, I, like, I still don't. I, and, I, and, and when I met him, because it was really funny. He'd come in like, because his wife was like one of the loose women when I worked on that. And he'd just come in and you'd be sat in your meeting, like the debrief after the show. And like, I'm going to swear now, but fucking Robbie Williams was sat in the <laughs> corner, you know what I mean? And chipping in about what he liked and what he didn't like because I was the only sort of 
straight male working on the show just about at the time. I think there might have been one other guy. Uh, you know, he talked to me I, wonder, I thought you were going to say just <laughs> so about straight. Just about, yeah. <laughs> he talked to me about football and, you know, and did you, did you watch this? Did you watch that? And is he, me about Joe, is he as um, big a football fan as he likes to make out in the Yeah, nights, yeah. yeah. And according to Ida as well, yeah. Because she would say, oh, Rob's just sat there watching the football. Rob's just sat there watching the football. Did you I'm ask glad, him why, glad the, why the Paul Val fan has a box at Chelsea? Mm. Well, well, he, he lives next door to um, he lives next door to Jimmy Page, out of Led Zeppelin, and they they famously sort of hate each other. And Robbie keeps doing things to sort of wind him up. <laughs> that's that, that's the makings of an ITV two show, surely. Well, yeah, I think there's, I, I think it's being mentioned in the press. If you just go and Google it, it's mm. there. But, think, uh, did yeah, he did he not used to going on. Did he not used to live next door to Morrissey as well in Los Angeles? That's I think he did. Entirely possible. Oh, we're, yeah, book- we're, we're bookending I, this podcast, aren't we, with Morrison? Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. I really, really, really didn't want to like Robbie Williams, and then I just, I really, he's, he's all right. You can take me that's that he's got the Joel stamp of approval. And he's all right, and he knows his stuff. And uh, well, I'm yeah, glad he to hear that. Well, okay, on the right. show. Get your mate on the show. Yeah. We'll have Robbie, Robbie Williams. Yeah, <laughs> mate, the way I was, the way I left <laughs> IDV, I don't think I'll get anywhere bloody near them ever again. Anyway, well, I was doing the podcast then. We were doing the podcast two years oh, ago. We should, we should have got him on. Talk Paul Vow and nice. Yeah. We could talk about QPR being 4-0 four, uh, four down to Port Vale and coming back 4-4. Four, four. Go on, Johnny Spencer. That was a great game. <laughs> um, Barcelona and Sampdoria, though, I think we were. Um, just to find uh, Hold on. Brian Robson scored his only, game, his only goal for Middlesbrough against Port Vale. Yeah, so there was loads to talk about. We missed an opportunity there with, uh, with yeah. uh, Mr. Williams. Um, Sorry. Matthew, this game, I thought of you because of the old Wembley, and it was very... It yeah. felt like the old Wembley, didn't it? Those pictures. Well, well, it's funny you should say that because I, when, I knew you were obviously going to come to me next after Joel finally shut up about Robbie Williams <laughs> but um, he's done some good what, songs uh, you know what I like it must be a sign of getting old but everybody I kind of disliked not disliked but you know like when you're younger you think like I was watching Tiger Woods on the golf earlier and I was thinking I like you and at the time I hated him because you, he was you serial big and, misogynist well, <laughs> well I can't yeah but United fans I can't be that bad but you know like everyone that you think oh he can you know Whatever, but now I look back and I think actually you were really good. And I feel that about Robbie Williams. I think. Uh, but I think when you're a kid, I think you're a lot more contrary and you won't like what everybody yeah. else likes. Yeah. Well, I think you. I think you kind of. Yeah. Now you look and you go. You know what? I mean, my, my classic is that Liverpool '87, '88 team. I hated that team as a kid, but now I think they're probably the best team I've ever seen in my life. And That's I'm why you hated shot, it as a kid, though, didn't you? Because you were so good. Yeah. yeah. And I've I've had the pleasure of meeting a couple of them in various. You know, and I've always. You know, I met John Barnes once, and I just shook his hand and said, "You know, you made my life a misery as a kid, but you, you know, what a player!" And it really had a, a laugh about it. But you know, you you do when you get older, you you sort of look and go, "Oh, you know." So I was just but, about to regale you with my John Barnes story, but it's it's not suitable. No, we probably get. I should lose this very big house in the country. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. do that. I've just yeah. I've just got Sky Sports on in the background, and they're showing Alan Shearer's debut for Blackburn. How random is that? Fair, keeping it nice, and I didn't even intend yeah. to. Um, I've got a good Shearer story. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say. Don't don't do it. You might get us. <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 just very funny. It's about uh, it's about the first time you met Rude Hullet, which I got told at work the other day. You know, post the uh, sacking and oh, the yeah. and the other day, yeah. and um, they, they'd both been booked to do um, stuff on Al Jazeera, oh, uh, yeah. Champions League, when Lineker was presenting it for them. And I don't know whether he still does, but Lineker was presenting it for them. And uh, 
like the, the atmosphere in the green room between Mr. Shearer and Mr. Hullock was a little bit uh, frosty, to say the least. Yeah. Brings, yeah. Brings... I, I still feel like there's that between them on telly now. They never really seem like... He it... says that, they've like, Hullock said he's apologised and he's done yeah. it publicly, hasn't he? But you kind of think. But we, uh, it, yeah, I don't know how we've got on to Shearer, but the, the sort of... He was on my uh, telly. The power of the power of Shearer at, at Newcastle. I mean, even Bobby Robson tried to punt him off to Barcelona at one point. You know, it's it's really funny. But you know, obviously the fans, the Newcastle fans, will hear nothing bad against him. But I think for one player to wield that much power at a club is ultimately not good. Mm, indeed. Um, one one thing who, I was who were just playing. Uh, Palace on the opening day oh, in Wasn't it 3-2 three, two, three, yeah. two or something? He's got two great sunny, goals, yeah. Sunny, sunny day. Uh, yeah. One thing I was going to say before we completely lose thread, this <laughs> cup final, this European cup final, don't you think it's funny how, I think the reason we all remember this so well is because back then the European cup final wasn't such a big deal as it is now. And quite often, it, well, it was either not on television or it was the only big European game that was on TV back then. And the fact I remember this, was this at being on TV because it, it yeah, stood out because like it was on Wembley. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, this this and the um, Barcelona-Style-Bucharest game, I think I remember being on, but it just wasn't like a... Now, the Euro- Champions League final, regardless of who's in it, it's like the big sort of... It's like the Super Bowl now, isn't it? It's like the, Euro- it's the football yeah. version of the Super Bowl. No one cares who's in it. It's just the biggest game to watch. Whereas then, it was almost like people would go, no, nah, don't put that on because there's no English team involved. I mean, famously, a lot of... Maybe not the European, the actual European Cup final. But I'm sure a lot of the Cup winners' Cup finals and the UEFA Cup finals, if there wasn't an English team involved, I'm sure they weren't on. Um, it's quite funny. I mean, we'll, we'll go, go into QPR, but I think Nick Hornby mentions it in Fever Pitch that he says when QPR nearly won the league in what was it '84? Ash, no, '76. Oh, is that the one? And it was just like, and the and the nearest they got to see was like. Uh, it was a couple of goals on the news. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. We lost to Nor- we, well, we we technically we'd won the league, but Liverpool needed to play one more game, and then if they yeah, it was about game, three weeks after. Yeah, we well, had to wait it? to find out. But yeah, not that I know it was in '76. I was merely a twinkle in a twinkle in my dad's eye. But yeah, that's how that's closest we've ever got. Um, but it was a bit like that with the with European finals. I so say we we all remember this one because it was at Wembley, and they might, probably made a big deal of being at Wembley. But well, other than that, you'd probably be hard pushed to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I remember the high school one vividly, and probably for all the wrong reasons, obviously. But it, you couldn't really it name wasn't now. A big deal. Yeah, Champions League finals now. It's all about you know get the popcorn in, or get the beers in, or get the, your Amstel in, or whatever sponsor. Yeah, but it was like event television, particularly a thing then, apart yeah, from true. Royal mm. Weddings and the and the FA Cup final, probably. Mm. I mean, yeah, else, you know, you had things like. I don't know, you know, big episodes of Phils and Horses, I suppose, and that Dallas episode where you found out who shot JR. But, I mean, yeah. event telly wasn't particularly a thing there. It wouldn't be like, you know, a few years later on when Barcelona moved the kickoff of Barcelona versus Liverpool to accommodate the BBC, revealing who shot Phil Mitchell. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, well, Barcelona, but, they actually beat Sam Dora. I don't think we even mentioned that. That's it's a good goal, by the way. Yeah, Ronald Koeman, free kick. Great goal. and Koeman are standing over it for ages. It seems to take, and it's, is it about six minutes from the end of the second period of extra time? Yeah, because it tells me time. I don't remember anything else about the game. And I don't think it was a very good game. I watched yeah. it on YouTube. It wasn't a very uh, good game. Nothing much happened. No. But I suppose Barcelona weren't going to let what happened to them, uh, the Stour Bucharest. 
Exactly. Yeah. Game happen again. So you know. Well, let's let's quickly move on to our, our last three. Um, we won't talk about this very much because our guest has already spoken about it. Canu spoke about this final in 1995. The young stars of Ajax upset the Milan megastars, a Milan team who had won the previous European Cup four nil, and a team that included the likes of Maldini, Costa Curla, Baresi, Donadoni, Desai, Boban, Simeone on and on and this team now all I'm going to do is just go through this team who at the time were very young but look this team is like an all-star 11 Edwin van der Sar I bet yeah van der Sar Reisinger Danny Blind Rijkaard de Boer Seedorf Finidi George Edgar Davids Ronald de Boer Yari Lippmann and Mark Overmars <laughs> it's pretty much the Dutch team going forward plus Fanidi George and Yari Lippmann and then off the bench Canu came off the bench Cliver who got the goal in the 85th minute just I think we'll leave it there with that one because we've uh, well, I was going to say as somebody who liked to bet back in the day I'd love to know what price that Ajax yeah. team were to win that because I mean people say oh they were the underdog how the hell were that Team, how that team I don't think anybody be... really knew. Did no, they? Well, they were all no, young. Obviously, behind the yeah. But it just now, you, you know, when you're reading that off, it's like, well, yeah. Another ex player in that uh, Ajax lineup as well, there, Ash. Um, look, Risinger, yeah. Risinger, yeah. yeah, yeah. They also had Fred Grimm as the reserve goalkeeper, which just made me laugh. Not so Wasn't much. Fred Grimm the guy who played uh, Herman Monster in the Monsters? <laughs> Might have been. I don't know. That was that was Fred Gwynn, oh. I think. Yeah, Winston Bogard on the bench as well, of course, who had that famous stint at Chelsea. Oh, oh what a guy he yeah. is! <laughs> I mean, he's just the dream, isn't he? That's yeah. what you want. You want. You don't want to play me. Fine, I'm going to turn up every day. I'm going to do my job, and you can give me sixty grand a week or whatever it was, fifty grand a week. What a bloke! And what a mercenary! He wouldn't go. <laughs> what an absolute! How many times did he play for them? Like twice or something. Oh, I can't Chelsea. even remember. I can't even remember. But it wasn't very long. Yeah, he just sat in the reserves, didn't he? Absolutely. And he didn't care. That was the best. Think about it. Like I'm not bothered. You pay yeah, so he should. That, that's his contract. Contracts exactly. work both ways. You know, like yeah. you, were, you know, this business with Rodwell and loads yeah, of people yeah. were going mad. Going, he should, he, you know, he should do the right thing by the club and take a cut. I said I wouldn't. I said I'd want them to pay up every bloody penny of it. He hasn't got any. I wouldn't have any loyalty. I get a Christmas bonus. Yeah, paid for. I said I want all my money that you owe me that you say you want to give me. You know, yeah. fine. Is he got money right. now? He, he's um, he's an assistant manager now, Winston Bogard, for Young Ajax. Oh, no, I was talking about um, Jack Rodwell. Oh, he's at Blackburn. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, I think so. Yes, it's after Blackburn. Still getting paid by Sunderland, Sunderland probably. Yeah. Bogard, is he? Bogart wow. played so. nine games for Chelsea in four years. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> 60 grand a week. Yeah, that's, that's, a, week. that's, that's a nice Good Christiana. on him. Nice Good Christiana. on him. Nice yeah. if you can get it. Right, we're going to talk Newcastle now. Um, this happened this week in the 90s. Yeah, we would have talked was, about... Uh, 17, it was my ex-girlfriend's 18th oh, as you, birthday. As you teased us last week. Yeah, 17th <laughs> of September 1997. Yes, it was. 3-2, um, Newcastle 3, Barcelona this, Was this two. the ex-girlfriend that didn't give a damn when you got mugged in Barcelona? No, a different one. This, oh. this, this ex-girlfriend's nice. Well, she was nice. Oh. Oh, that's all right then. Um, she was nice. I, I, hope none of these, I hope these, none of these... Uh, Ex-girlfriends listen to this. They all are. hate me. Of course they do. They all hate me. Can you imagine going out with this? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's why you're so friendly actually. with Alexa, isn't yeah. it? It's quite funny because, yeah, Alexa's my girlfriend now. Um, it's, it's really funny because one got married a couple of weeks ago and, and another one I found out today is getting married in a few weeks and I'm kind of like... Oh. The, inv- the invite never came through. <laughs> no, I wasn't invited, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Gay oh, you should get married in Barcelona. 
No. You should gatecrash it, Joe. Just turn I up. Just imagine. Yeah, I mean, the thought I, the thought did cross my mind, actually, like, oh, I should have gone down there, but of course you never would. Um, no, no, this girlfriend's lovely. She's still, I, I still talk to her, actually, occasionally. She's, uh, Does she she's remember really the lovely. game? Uh, well, she'll remember where we were because we went to uh, the Southfield. I think it was the Flying Perkin then in Middlesbrough. And we watched it on the screens in there. Me and Beth and my friend Cragsy went and watched the game. And Mikkel Beck. <laughs> yes, uh, and we even applauded Newcastle um, the three goals from Aspreum. Yeah, um, there's a brilliant bit, and I'm working with a guy with a Jody guy at the minute, and he he told me a story about Aspreum, and he said like a friend of his went to stay out on his ranch in Colombia. He just been like, why don't you come come out to see me? So they all went out to uh, Aspreum's ranch and stayed there, and they went to bed the first night and at three o'clock in the morning. They were woken up very loudly by Aspria, who insisted they all get up and go out of bed and go into his own private nightclub. Uh, they decided to open up at three in the morning, filled with his mates, and they had a jolly big party. That's that's the lifestyle, isn't it? That is. Um... Have you seen this video of Aspria riding around yes. on a horse whilst dressed as a dinosaur? I have, yep. That's uh, incredible. <laughs> He's somebody you'd like to spend a weekend with, isn't he? Because it seems like he lives a very unique lifestyle. It sounds like it was mental. He just opened it and, it, and you know, the, the nightclub is apparently overflowing with, let's just say, everything you could imagine. Everything that you expected to be there. And that's a euphemism. Um, everything that yeah. you expected to be there was in the room. And, you know. Well, this yeah. was by far and where he's best night in a Newcastle shirt two stonking headers and a penalty but um, Matthew I think somebody else doesn't get enough credit that he deserves Mr Keith Gillespie that of Andy Cole transfer beautiful balls into the box for those goals wasn't there yeah I think he showed the potential that a lot of people thought they would see at United to be honest because he was looked upon as a as a promising young player sorry 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 I just need to interrupt my mate's just texted me saying he's watching Bullseye on Challenge and Lionel Blair is the guest uh, chance drawer. How random. I don't know why that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm watching, 90s. I'm watching yeah. Mark, Mark Bright's now on my TV talking about Charlton and Sheffield Wednesday, so whatever this oh. show is on Sky Sports. But, yeah, Keith Gillespie, Matthew. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, well, well yeah. Um, good player. He liked, apparently, he liked to bet as much as me. Yes. Back that's in the what day, ruined but, his uh, career, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was big time, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure he's not the only one. Mm. I mean, I don't know whether footballers still do that now, but it seemed like that to be a footballer back then, you had to go and spend ten grand a week in the, in the bookies. I bet the bookies must be gutted because uh, they must have done a, ro- a roaring trade. Yeah, Stan Bowles loved whichever, it. Whichever one that uh, Merson went to in Middlesbrough, Joe, well, you probably know it, but uh, it's probably shut down now. Ravenelli used, used to go to William Hills on uh, Albert Road quite a lot, and you'd see him outside there, sort of smoking a bind. Really yeah. strange. Um, but yeah, yeah, gambling footballers. Yeah, can you remember when Merson did those adverts for uh, Bucky's a few years ago? Yeah, that was bad taste. That was really odd. Yeah, very bad taste. That was. Um, was was change, going back to what we said. Van was Van Hal the Barcelona manager in this game? Uh, ninety seven so. was it Robson? Yeah. No, it wasn't Robson. Yeah. Oh no, uh, Newcastle manager was Doug Leash. Yeah, no, I went, I went at Barcelona. No. Um, I don't know. Let me uh, let me have a Google. Um, I thought it was Van Gaal. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was a young, a young looking Van Gaal. Just, just from memory. Other than that, other, unlike Joel, um, the game doesn't really bring up as many romantic memories. Yeah, it was Van Gaal. Yeah, it was Van Gaal. I remember watching it, and a friend of mine, um, a Newcastle fan of mine, says it's the best atmosphere he's ever 
witnessed at St James's Park because the stadium felt like it was actually rocking. Um, and bear in mind, this was just a group game, which in I know it's Barcelona and it's the, the hat trick, but it shows what it meant to, to the the Geordie faithful in that one. And I remember watching it and, and thinking, wow. And I remember Aspria's celebration where he got the Newcastle shirt and was waving it on the corner fag and and he thought everything was going to be rosy. And then that was these last goals for Newcastle before he was sold back. Was to, it? Yeah, before he was sold back to Parma in the the January the following January. So what that January ninety eight. Yeah, his last goals. Four months, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But but... He, was, he, he always reminded me a bit sort of like a baby deer, really, in the way he sort of lolloped about. And he, he, a lot of the time he never seemed to have control of his limbs. But, you know, if that was an intentional thing, it was very tricksy because you, you never quite knew, as I saw in his debut, there's one for the bingo card, um, yeah, the, I was going to mention that, but yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, we talked about it a million times, you know, we were beating them 1 0, and then Aspria came on and we get beat 2 uh, 1 because it's <laughs> Aspria versus Chris Morris, which, you know, Chris Morris used to get beat far too often. One of the original shouts at the Riverside Stadium was Morris! Um, yeah, but he gets blamed a lot, doesn't he, for that, all for that, that Newcastle collapse, business. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I think that's probably unfair, really. I think. I think Keegan is probably more to blame than uh, than him. Mm. No, but, but yeah, but you would say that you would say that. Yeah, would you, you don't like you yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't like him. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think Keegan. It's probably Keegan that mugged you in Barcelona. <laughs> it, it might well have been. Yeah. Until, yeah. until Kevin uh, Keegan's uh, wife is on loose women and Joel hangs out with him in the yeah. green room, then we then will, I like him. Yeah, yeah. Then we will never know. Um, that's we, the thing. That's the thing. I, I, you know, even lots of people that I've hated when I've met, I go, oh, they're all right. Yeah, Although I hate I, that. Yeah, I had that. But, although, although you know, the worst one I ever met was. Have I mentioned this? Mm. Lenny Henry was horrible oh. to me. Oh. You Lenny did mention. Henry. You mentioned this that night we did the live show in uh, London. You mentioned yeah, it off, off, off air in the pub yes. down the road. Lenny Henry was awful to me. I saw Dorigo the other night. Yeah, you, he said hi, didn't he? He remembered you. Yeah, yeah. No, he came up and asked how you were all doing. Oh, friend of the show, Tony Dorigo. He remembered me, and apparently he's doing something with Gentlemen on Ultras, but I'm not quite oh, really? sure what. Oh, okay. yeah. They're doing a 90s football quiz next Thursday, I think. Um, at Golazzo. At Golazzo, yeah. Who was that who was there today, Matthew? Well, it was one of our avid listeners, I yeah, believe. Yeah, <laughs> on Twitter, wasn't it? Yes. Standing next to the Ravinelli copy of Gazetta della Sport. Yeah, the one that you would try to jemmy off the, the wall. The one that and, I would uh, want to steal, yeah. Craig yeah, Tyree. about when he was going to put that, so. Yeah, Craig Tyree, thanks for that tweet. Yeah, we saw you next to the Ravinelli in the, in Golazzo. Um, we're going to wrap this up because we've been going for a while now, which is great, but people want to get to work on their commute, I'm, I'm sure. Um, there's only one thing to talk about, and we have talked about it a million times. Matthew, in as simple and plain terms, Juventus, Bayern Munich, 1999, Man United. Well, as I always say, late 90s, working at FHM, working in London, I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> so see you, next, see you next week. Come on, greatest moment in your club's history. Of course this, you is, this is good, isn't it? Games you, you were at but don't remember. No, I wasn't at these games. I was working in London at the time. I was working at FHM. And... Um, so did I was watching. Vote in the, did you get a vote in the world's 100 hottest women? Did you? Well, do you know what? That was very. Uh, I don't know if Bent is a is a. Oh, I'd heard about word these days. I used to work with someone. It was whoever you got on the cover, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It was basically yeah. Those really didn't count yeah. for anything. Yeah. yeah. So any anyone that spent 20p on a stamp to send a postcard in for uh, well a magazine for that one in. Yeah. yeah um, it was always it was always Sarah Michelle Geller or whoever was basically being promoted at the time. 
uh, was going to win Stevens it. got it a few yeah. times. Yeah, so I had Anderson. many a great... Gillian Anderson won you. I had many a great night out on the night, on the night of the actual uh, that that magazine being launched. I remember being I remember being at a part wherever it was. It was in Soho somewhere, and going up to the, it was a free bar, and going up yes. to order the going up to order the drinks and the bar, and said, "Mate, it's still ten grand behind the bar, and we shut in two hours, so uh, help yourself." <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. And we basically were just ordering bottles of champagne each yeah. and whatever, and. Uh, <laughs> I, hence why I don't really remember anything that happened after about 90, 1997. And uh, I threw up violently on myself on the train on the way out. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah, the worst interview at FHM, Matthew? Oh, I didn't really, I didn't do any interviews then. I was an editorial assistant. So I was just basically, I remember, I spoke to a fair few people. I had uh, a drink with Chris Evans on a night out. I spoke to uh, Julia Bradbury. Cool. Her of uh, yeah, know, yeah. her of uh, country file and any kind of walking very program walking on a Sunday. Days, yeah, she, she was quite sort of foxy back in the day. Oh, yeah, it's a terrible yeah. game. Sure she I must have got in the top hundred yeah. at some point. Yeah, it's probably why she was there. Basically, yeah. whoever I, I had some cracking nights out, and I tell you, Donna Air was a brilliant company. You Before, probably don't like her joke because she was a joke. Sure, she's not anymore. Now she's uh, lost the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah she was. Gonna, she was abs- She was brilliant company. Um, uh, Melanie Sykes. Well, yeah, Melanie's yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah, she was really good company. Claire Goose, remember her? Oh my Cash? God, I used to be in love with Claire, Claire Goose. Goose. There's a name for yeah. the Oh, you what? Yeah, well, but this is all in a professional capacity. I, yeah, you know. yes, of course. But um, no, I, I was lucky. I, it was FHM back then. Was so it was just so nineties. It was a little office off Tottenham Court Road. And but three stories up, just a little office, all magazines piled up on the floor, and people, you know, around. I don't know if you know that there are PCs then, but I mean, very, very, very early days of the internet, you know. So it was all basically phone calls and letters and all that. I used to have to open all the posts and people writing. You know, it was just, it was just how you imagine nineties uh, lad mags. Then Jerry Harry were coming into the office to pick up bits and pieces, and you know, it was just, it was, it was great. Did she talk about George Michael's? <laughs> <laughs> Africa. <laughs> I imagine that's why she was well is an absolute pain in the arse. Yeah, I think well, I think Matt Luke has got her down to a T. She wasn't as friendly as uh, Melanie Sykes. I know that yeah. in a professional. I share my birthday with Jerry Hallowell. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh. Jerry Hallowell. Well, the, actual, the actual the actual year. Because remember, it was no, I very... think she's about 12, 25 years <laughs> yeah. older than me. It was a bit debatable <laughs> about how old she was, yeah. Uh, I think she's she about 48, isn't she? Something, 47, she, 48. She was about that age when Spice Girls came Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Claire Goose is 43, if that makes you feel older. Yeah, well, she's, well that's, that's only but, uh, older than me. Claire yeah. Goose is lovely. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah, she, she'll, t- she'll work in some, on some show in BBC Bird. She was doing, she was on something like Doctors or something. Yeah. Like, I saw her on something and I was like, oh, Claire Goose, oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she, so, was, she was... She was in my '90s top five back in the day. Oh. Kelly Brook. Well, there's a, there's Butler. a show. There's a show for you. Ash. What Joel's top? Uh, yeah. What what in, in the enlightened <laughs> days of 2018? You think you're going to get me on a podcast ranking women? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think we get away with that. It, no, we just we just find you in a pub for that. Yeah. Although I would throw out a mention to Jet and Louise Nerding, but yeah. Um, I tell you, I tell you, Diane. I tell you who else was at this uh, party? Christmas '97. FHM party. Isla Fisher was there as well. Oh, sure. And she and barely I'll anyone find knew. You. Barely anyone really knew. Well, everyone just knew. Everyone just knew her from Home and Away. Yeah. Mm. Now she's like this big film star, and I almost think I sat with her. Yeah, like, but that's. I mean, 
drinking and just and chatting away. And now I think, blimey, that was Isla Fisher. But, yeah, because uh, you've married a Sasha Baron Cohen. Well, yeah. heady, heady day. How, halcyon days. Halcyon yeah. days. Of lad so you don't that, remember anything of this match, Manchester? No, I do. I, I do remember. <laughs> what I remember are we talking the, about? Um, yeah, I remember the Juventus game because I went to the pub probably in Tottenham Court Road. I think the Blue Posts in Soho. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, that. Soho, yeah, the you probably know that. I do I know I, that, yeah. I think I watched it in there. Um, just used to go straight to the pub afterwards. And United were one. It was one all in the first leg, yeah. wasn't it? Gig scored right at the end, and then United went two 0 down. So it looked like it was curtains. But in hindsight, everybody obviously knows that United were never beaten back then, and uh, and came back to win the game. And probably one of the Roy Keane inspired. Yeah. yeah, Keane got booked and missed the game. But I saw there were some scenes came. Uh, they were on Twitter in the week of the dressing room after the game. I'm not sure who took them because it wouldn't have been on a camera phone. Someone must have had a sharp view cam. Oh, at the time and there was course. all um, there was all kinds of like you know showing behind the scenes uh, clips of, of what it was like in the dressing room and it was all very sort of natural now it'd be all players booging around and there'd be all pre-prepared flags and there there will be you know it'd be so sort of pre pre-meditated pre-determined whereas now, yeah whereas then it was just pure bedlam really yeah um, which so it should have been as well because it was hell of a hell of a comeback and um yeah, and the same for the final. I wasn't going back then because obviously I'd fallen out of love with football because I was too busy hanging around with Ida Fisher and <laughs> Julia Brown. Who I interviewed, Matthew, who was an absolute dick in the 1980s. Go on. Jennifer Lopez, one mm. arsehole. Really? Well, I, 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 God. That's disappointing. Yeah, but she's she's high. We're talking down to. I, you know, I mentioned the names like Claire Goose and Julia Bradbury, <laughs> and you're bringing in J Lo. He did his wife at the time. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, of a. Yeah, yeah um, it was about. It was just when the first single came out. Love if you had my, if you had, no, that wasn't thing. first. The first one was if you had my love. Oh, if the one you have my love, and yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Dancing dance in the shower is that weird in footage? Dancing in the shower, yeah. yeah. Some tunes. Can you hear this? By the way, the cat's going mad. Is he, I'm not surprised with Ash singing. I think there's yeah. a cat outside. Exactly. Like, he knows he, streaming as well. They know my levels. Like Sounds like dinners at the dog pound. Who is, who's been your worst, Ash? Who have you interviewed? Who well, yeah, see, pain I... In the, uh, 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 Can I just say, the person that I've interviewed and I enjoyed interviewing the most, Elton Wellsby. Elton, Elton, Elton Wellsby. Your mate Elton. Really? Yeah, yeah, your mate Elton. Without um, a doubt, yeah. Uh, David James was never the nicest person to interview. Um, did, that's him, that's him off the show. Bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see where he had to sell all his shit? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Um, I haven't had many. I mean, footballers by and large, so you know, sometimes it's like getting blood out of a stone. But, but um, I remember the better ones. Peter Crouch is always brilliant. Micka Richards was a, like his agent must have hated it because he would just literally say whatever fell out of his mouth. And especially for a kids' mag, we used to get the agent in the corner just going, "Just don't print that, don't print that, don't print that." And it wasn't even that bad. It was just his, him sounding like a, the kid that he was. But yeah, there've not been many. Difficult. Matt Phillips at QPR was quite difficult, but that's not very a big name. Um, yeah, Ben Stiller was very good to interview on a different tent. Yeah, um, but then naturally he would be. He said my name about a hundred times, which I think he just learned. I tell you something, Ashley. I tell you something, Annie. Which at the time I was very wet behind the ears when he came to that industry, and I was like, oh my God, Ben Stiller said my name. Yeah, um, that's, that is always kind of quite impressive. I like it when people remember you later on. Yeah, Peter Crouch remembered like, me. Like Tony yeah. Dorigo. Yeah, I'm yeah. Tony Dorigo. Well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have harassed him for the last two years. So there is that, yeah. There, well, since 1980, uh, since 1990, really. <laughs> since yeah. the Zenith um, Data Systems Cup final, yeah. Yeah, he. Um, but no, that that's always good when the kind of 
you know, just like, you know, you've got to do this stuff. Why can't you just behave? We've all got a job to do. I want to make, you know, I want to make you look good. You clearly want to make yourself look good. Why don't you just behave? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. think there's any need for people to be stroppy and arsy like you know they're doing us a favour. Fuck off! You know? <laughs> Let me interview WWE people any day of the week. You know, they're you always know brilliant. Are they always I, good? Always good. Never had a I'd bad love, experience. I'd love to hear Joe interview someone to be honest, because Joe, we have. Yeah, go well, to well, the archive. Yeah. Well, no, I know that, but like having done the show with you now for some time, I'm amazed that anyone can get a word in. Because <laughs> surely you must be telling stories about. Ravenelli and uh, I, I and... do end up sort of telling really random stories. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, we love I, it. I think, love I, it. I, think it. I did Frank yeah. Skinner. Who, Frank Skinner's got a terrible reputation, but he was lovely with me. He was really, really good, and, I, and he was going to play in Middlesbrough that night. And uh, he was playing for some people who I uh, used to work for. So I said, "Just go and throw my name around a bit, see how that goes down." And I said, and "If you walk on stage eating a palm oil, you'll have them eating out of your hands." And he I hope did. he didn't. I hope he didn't bump into any of your ex-girlfriends. He bumped, in it, he bumped into my ex. Well, he, he was he, the people who put the gig on were my old bosses. And he saw. He, he told me later on he did go in and drop my name, and he saw their faces fall, which I thought was astonishing. I was very pleased with that. Mm. <laughs> Uh, for, that, for, for, for those who wanted have been listening and been waiting to get to the Man United 1999 part of it, I apologise that we've not really talked about it. We've talked about it a million times. We have. It, it was very there can't, good. There can't be anyone listening to this podcast that doesn't know what happened, and there can't be anyone on this podcast listening to this podcast that doesn't agree that this comeback was a hundred times more dramatic and more impressive than Liverpool's comeback in Istanbul in 2005. And I thought it was great. I love this. I absolutely loved this. I thought it was brilliant. I was at uni in the halls, leaping out of my seat. I thought it was spectacular. I've got I've got mates at home who hated it. It was the you know, like going for that. Week. I think it did divide the. Yeah. Uh, talking sort of from a serious point, it did. It, and it was, this would still happen today, massively. It did seem to divide the nation. There were people that were absolutely devastated that. Um, that United won it, and I suppose I'd be the same. Well, you obviously wouldn't, Joe. But... Won the European Cup in what about seventeen years? Or yeah, something? but does that? Yeah, but does that matter? I'm not a big believer in that. I really. Well, that's you, all if, about. I want to see. I think it, English I, clubs in Europe is a win-win situation. No. If if you if the English club wins, then you go, oh, that's good. It's an English club. If they lose, you can laugh at them. No. So I had I, I had some friends over from Ireland on Tuesday for the. Uh, Liverpool PSG you saw game. Pictures of one of yeah. them urinating on your desk. Yes, for the second time this month, he's done that. Um, and I waved them off to the match, thinking, "I hope you get beat." And when it went two, when it was two-two, <laughs> I was sat here watching it with a couple of beers, waiting for them to come back, knowing we were going to go out in town and have a drink. And I was thinking, "Yes, two-two. Obviously, what happened happened." And I was miserable. For the, I was so annoyed, and I apologise for anyone that thinks that's bitter and twisted. And but it, and I know it is, but. Well, then you, you were robbed an opportunity to absolutely rip seven bells of shit out of them all night. Yeah, of course. And that's what... For, that I just is don't, disappointing. I, but I don't get this, um, you know, you should support the English team. I don't want people supporting the team I want to win just out of... I find that patronising and I don't get it. I really don't. And, you know, that's just me. Obviously, you, you're not the same. It surprises it me. Someone that loves an opportunity to rip the piss out of somebody. 
you know, I, did, I didn't especially want Chelsea to win the European Cup that yeah, time. That's, that's the one that I, um, I think. It, I think it depends on the team. In fairness, I mean, I've got nothing against. That's, that's I don't quite... care about Arsenal or Chelsea or. I don't. There's certain teams I like really United on the sly, really. So. Yeah. No, and, and I agree. I mean, there's certain teams that you do as a rival. You go. Oh, um, and I would yeah, want um, Newcastle to win it. I, I couldn't think of anything worse, apart from maybe Sunderland winning it. Yeah. Any danger of happening. But I've got mates who I've got mates who like I, my friend Andy. Like I remember ringing him on the night, going, "God, how good was that?" And we, we had quite a lot of United fans in our halls residence, and we were just partying all night. I mean, it's obviously any excuse for partying when you're in halls. You know, it's like yeah, I've just had an enormous crap. Oh yeah, party, get the beers in. So, you know, so it was any excuse. But I remember phoning Andy, and he was going mad, going, "Ah, oh, lucky cheaters, lucky cheaters, this, that, and the other." I just like I, I I never got my head around that. But no, I think I think it's Chelsea, I think it depends on the, the um, circumstances. I remember that season, the first season United were back in Europe. Remember we got knocked out by Galatasaray, mm-hmm. and I remember going to Villa Park, and they were uh, they all had Galatasaray scarves, and you go to places like Chelsea, and 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 after the four 0 that we spoke about earlier, I remember United going to Chelsea on Boxing Day. And they played Freddie Mercury Barcelona at heart, and it was just a big, <laughs> it was just that sort of bit that everyone was so obsessed with winding up you know, United. And I suppose it's fair enough. I've just said that I don't mind it, so I can't buy it. But it just seemed such a big deal. But I suppose that plays that was because United at that time were the the team that everyone hated. I suppose in time it will probably be City. I suppose or whoever. I mean, at the minute, I mean at the minute at the minute Liverpool are sort of Teflon because they've been out. You know, they're not really. Obviously, when we were younger, Liverpool were that team because they won everything. At the minute, they're sort of everyone quite likes them because they're seen as underdogs, even though they spent about five hundred million quid and all that kind of stuff. But (laughs) um, so I think every team has its its moments. So I I suppose it's the old adage that if that's the case, you should be flattered because everyone hates you. But um, it's hard to take. I must admit, when everyone's winding you up, I think that's what made that '99 final such a great moment if you were involved in it because it was a real sort of up yours <laughs> moment, wasn't it? Not that, not that you could remember it. Yeah. I, I, no, rem- I remember no. it. I was doing my geography coursework on my best friend's table watching that oh, game. What a, what a nerd. I know. How, how depressing <laughs> is that? Were you, what were you learning about, Ash? Was it like an Oxbow Lake, maybe? Oh, I think it was um, what erosion and all that rubbish that mm. you have to do Boring. in geography. Yeah, rocks. What a but, great band they were. Oh, erosion. Erosion, yeah. <laughs> I will discover a little root. What's the Rage's best hit of the 1990s? I'm going to go with I Love to Hate You, which came out in 1991. I I only know that one that's always on, they always sing. Uh, Respect, isn't it? A little respect. Yeah, that was about 88. That's the only one I know, I think, of Erasure. Not my yeah, bad. They, they had a number one. They had that ABBA. They did that. ABBA SKP, yeah. The ABBA SKP. They did a cover of Take a Chance on Me, complete with a rap, which was. Yeah. Oh, that every, song in, every song in the 90, early 90s had the, one of those. Yeah, have a rap. Faux raps, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Well, how yeah. else would Lisa, Lisa Left Eye Lopez have got work? Come on, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, ah, some good some good Left Eye stuff. Do you, want a, do, you, do you want a good 90s pop fact? Let's finish on a good 90s pop fact. Good, this. Do you know the song Right Here by SWV? I do. Great tune. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know the SSWWV? Yeah. That's Pharrell. Really? Yeah. Wow, he must have been young then. He was. He was about 18, I think, working for Teddy Riley in his studio, but that's Pharrell going Yeah, it's a good song. That's a great tune. Yeah, great song. Brilliant. And that's been a great. Free Willy 2. Is that in Free Willy 2? I think so. 
What's I might a, be wrong. What a random innocuous soundtrack to have that on. Yeah. Um, but what? That's been a great episode. We've gone on long tonight, lads, haven't we? That was like Dr. a Ken, 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 That was the, cobblers. The, the Ken Dodd of uh, AK nineties podcast. That yeah, was it. Three hours. Yeah, te- and tangent crazy. I'm, I'm sure they'll love it. Um, have you ever, did you ever see Ken Dodd? No, I know pe- plenty of people that did and said that he just went on and on and on. Just he goes on just... until he just goes on until the milk floats come. I think. Yeah, and uh, but but in a great way from everyone okay. I know that uh, that saw him and uh, and a lovely fellow by all uh, by all accounts. Yes. Right. And he, li- he li- lived and died in the same house all his life in Nottingham. Yeah, that's a, that's a funny one, isn't it? And he had all his money in matches. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a, on a night of, of, of random tangents, that's finished on Ken Dodd, unbelievably. We've gone for Celine Dion, Shania Twain. Was he a Liverpool fan or was he a Liverpool fan or an Everton fan, Ken Dodd? He was Liverpool, wasn't he? I, I think so. It would be but, uh, I think ever the pro, I don't think he uh, never, never went on too well. Never revealed. Well, no. McCartney says he supports both. Oh, yeah. Blair. That's Blair. What about Tranmere? I know. Well, yeah, what about yeah, that, what, what that's about Elvis, Elvis Costello's tram, isn't Oh, there you go. Um, John Aldridge's birthday this yeah. week. He's a, a yeah. that. Um, well, if we want to talk about all the rubbish that we've been talking about with you guys on Twitter tonight, where can they find you, Joel? Uh, Joel Baby Herc, all one word. Herc with a C. Thank you with very much. Sir. Come and talk to me. I'm sort of back being silly again on Twitter. Exactly. All the silliness that we love. Matthew, where can people talk to you? Uh, well, I just, just going to say I found out this week why that's your Twitter handle, Joel. Didn't he tell us last week? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did I you? Thought, oh. I said it last week. Yeah. Oh, so I wasn't I listening. Last week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what you said? Uh, I had a magazine. <laughs> okay, so we had we had the magazine, uh, Baby Hercules, which was like it, it, it was a good idea, you know. But we launched it on Seaside when nobody had any money. But I had this lovely thing to come to London with and show people, and we we got some good interviews. You know, we had Ellie Goulding in the first one, I think. We had Maxine Moore Park. We had, we had Snoop Dogg in the third issue. Snoop but there's Snoop. one issue that I always hide. Because, and this is going to take a grim turn, it's got a tribute to Jimmy Savile in it, uh, when Savile died before everything had come out. And it's also got an interview with Lost Profits in the same magazine. That's pretty grim. Have you still got them? Yeah, yeah. Well, you should do what like we did with the uh, World Cup Diaries. You should yeah. delve well, into the magazines out. Get the yeah. magazines out. It was a new feature. I smell a new feature. Just, just not yeah. that. Uh, just not that edition. <laughs> not the lost profits. Too, no, so. maybe not that one. It'll be like. Well, actually, it'll be like as well, it had a column written by my ex-girlfriend, the one who's going to get married, uh, not the one who is married. Um, but so, it also yeah, hates so, you. And then, uh, no, she I think, hate you. I think she probably. I, I just think <laughs> she doesn't care. She's probably, probably done. She's the David know. Batty of girlfriends. She doesn't care. Yes, doesn't care. Yeah, she did a job, and now she's moved on. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm calling Talking it there. Which... I'm calling yeah. it there. Um, thank you very much. If you are still listening, um, thank you very much for if listening. If anyone wants to talk to me about my ex-girlfriends, you know, just come and find me at, at Joel Baby Herc. There you go on Instagram yeah. and Twitter. I'm Ash Rose at UK on that Instagram and Twitter. But more importantly, follow the show at AK90s on Twitter at AK90s pod on instagram um we'll be back next week with far less tangents probably but probably not no i like time. the tangents the goods i'm gonna i'm gonna write down some random questions <laughs> oh i like a random question i do like those anyway i've been ash rose this has been alive and kicking until next time keep it 90s alive and kick-